Right, excuse the accent. Fucking <clears throat> <laughs> oh, no, here we go. What are you doing now? No, no, no. Oh, no. No, I won't. No, you put me off now. I won't try it again. No, no, you crack on. <laughs> Welcome to the podcast, son. Welcome to the episode 30. <laughs> was that it? <laughs> was, was that it? I, I Jesus. <laughs> You've been practicing that all week. I know. You've been driving to and from work, constantly saying it. Yeah. <laughs> Meeting new people on the street, going, "Welcome to the podcast, sir." Previously on the Project Umbrella podcast. So I'm really intrigued to start with the negatives. How British? Having played the demo, my favourite collector's edition is the one that comes without the shitty game. And I'm thinking, right, they're called Moulded, but the family's called Bakers. What do you bake? Bread. What grows on bread? Mould. So maybe they're bread monsters. We had a suggestion from uh, someone about talking about the organisation. That's oh, rude, isn't it? You can't remember the I know, guy's I know. name. It's like, oh, some twat gave us some kind of, you know, recommendation. So fuck him, we've got nothing else to talk about. Should I be too polite and mention it was me? <laughs> Fucking Jesus. Welcome to episode 39 of the Project Umbrella podcast covering Resident Evil 7. Let's see who's joining us on the podcast this evening. After a recent work medical, he was found to be 100% Lego. It's Batman. Hello. He's definitely a tyrant, but a good one. A bit like Margaret Thatcher. It stars tyrant. Hello. He's not content with a new flag. He now wants to be part of a new continent of Zealandia. It's Rombie. Hey. I'm well on trend with New Zealand politics. There we go. Yeah. <laughs> and the bakers have been struck off his Christmas lifts after finding out that the mansion was not built by him. It's George Trevor. Fucking Chamberlain. Coming up on this highly, highly anticipated podcast, we will be looking at in the severe depth Resident Evil 7, the latest in the numbered franchise games, and it was certainly a return to survival horror. We will not be doing any news, we won't be doing any site news, we won't be having a pre-discussion, we're going straight into the game. Let's crack on! Hey baby! I just wanted to send a quick hello, and I love you. Oh, good news, I'm going to be coming home soon, yay! I cannot wait to be done with this babysitting job and come home to my loving husband. I miss you. I gotta get back to work. I love you, Ethan. I miss you so much. I'm sending tons of kisses. Bye, baby. Ethan. 
You were right. I did lie to you. I shouldn't have. All I can say is that if you get this, stay away. So, what I would like from each podcaster first, we need a brief discussion. This was such an anticipated game. We had the trailers, the creepy atmosphere, all of that. We had item boxes. It looked good. It looked too good to be true. Batman, how was it for you? Well, I very much enjoyed it, I'm pleased to say. I think it's a good return to form. It's probably, for me, the best Resident Evil game since RE4. That's praise. That's praise. I say that as a big fan of 5 as well, and I don't actually dislike 6 too much. But, uh, yeah, I thought it was really good. Not in the same class as the original PlayStation trilogy, obviously, or the remake, but I don't think Capcom will ever get back to those glory days. But I think Resident Evil 7 represents the closest we'll get. Rumby? I really, really enjoyed it. I honestly went in with low expectations. The demo had been enjoyable, but it hadn't fully captured my attention, so I was relatively apprehensive. So the first part of the game took me a little while to get into. But after a while, like... I guess just like when I was kind of once I got into it, I was like, "Wow, this is really, really good." And uh, I guess I'm left thinking, "Where Capcom's been hiding these people from making games for the last several years?" Star Start. Yeah, it's solid. There's niggles we're going to get into and whatnot. I had a, I had a traumatic first few hours trying to play it, um, which was again, which I'll get into in a bit. But it is, it's a stunning return to form in a series that lots of people have long abandoned, including people I've, I, you know, I know personally and, and whatnot. And uh, I was in the cinema a couple of nights ago watching John Wick 2, and when the Resident Evil 7 trailer Yay. came on in the cinema, I could actually hear people discussing it in a positive way, and it's like I felt strangely proud. We've stuck with it for this long and like finally we're at a point where it can be discussed and praised and not looked down upon like what six made it you know everybody i know who's played it has like unanimous praise for it and it the series has managed to yet again claw itself back from the brink george trevor it's absolutely wonderful can people first get over the fact that you can praise resident evil 7 you know without for one moment suggesting it's you know it's the be all and end all of survival horror you know there's a lot of people out there that seem to be getting very prickly when we praise it we're not saying it's the best resident evil game but i completely agree with batman it's by far the best resident evil game since four yes there's a little bit of the pain that we've all taken since then if this had come out as resident evil 4 i wouldn't be gushing as much as i am now but it is what it is it's a wonderful return it's the first game that showed me that there are degrees of jump scares this is taking time off my life the tension uh, <laughs> do not criticize this game without playing madhouse we will come on to this madhouse takes this game to another level and there is so much more you can appreciate playing madhouse it's not just an extra difficulty level we'll talk about that and i just want to quickly see all this criticism for the story I don't understand it's no more nonsensical than any previous Resident Evil game I'm from an era when video games lived and died on their gameplay you know people have been moaning about the story and holding up Resident Evil 5 o- over this lording it over 7 because of the story you know did Donkey Kong have a good story you know, <laughs> Ocarina of Time arguably one of the best video games of all time fucking Fairy Boy in Smurfland was that a good story you know if you if you want a good story I'm telling you if you want a good story and a lot of these criticizers from america i will pay for your airfare come over here to england i mean some of you don't have to travel that far you're only across the border in wales i'll pay for your cart from cardiff come over here right i'll stick you in front of my television and you can watch episode opposite episode of jack and nori okay there's your good story bernard tribbins doesn't do survival horror you watch jack and nori i'll play resident evil 7 a wonderful return to survival horror bravo can i go home now 
<laughs> as always, George. That, that was beautiful. Well done. As always, George, we always appreciate your brief impressions. <laughs> I would say for my impression, I'm a bit like what Ron B. I, I went in quite low expectations, also not played the demos. Um, and I purposely kept quite away from story, a lot of gameplay trailers, probably to the detriment really when we were discussing it leading up to the game. But I thought it was important to try and keep myself spoiler free. It is genuinely unnerving. The opening act, I, I swore I'd done it wrong. There are niggles, there are new, and we will certainly come on to them. Um, and there's a lot of niggles and I'm still not... 100% happy with the future of the series and I'll tell you why but overall this game was sensational creepy intense as well in in the right yeah. places I think that that's an important factor it got the action levels just right at the right point as well whereas Resident Evil 4 by the end was just a joke this maintained that level throughout clever gameplay tactics as well to maintain that so yeah I, I would agree what everyone says I think it's the best Resident Evil game probably since Remake slash Zero Resident Evil 4 is a better game than Zero and Remake but it's not a better Resident Evil game I'll always maintain that view that Resident Evil 4 is a brilliant game but not a great Resident Evil game I find that fascinating I find like the Remake and Zero's gameplay has actually aged like a fine wine and got better whereas I think 4 is at times like quite unplayable now with how OTT the end sections are and how much it drags and I just hope that in like 10 years time I'm not going to say the same thing about 7 I find Resident Evil 4 hard work on the Wii really hard now it's holding up to anyway we digress Um, so yeah overall I thought this was a fantastic game uh, a wonderful entry in the series but I probably have more reservations about it than others so it would be interesting to see what everyone thinks so the first kind of area I want to talk about is a return to horror was it a traditional return or an an evolution of the series uh, in particular I suppose we're looking at the first person view was that a success for me I found it for all the reasons I think Mikami wanted to go with it in the first place it, it brought me into the tension I'm not a fan of first person perspective uh, this was so smooth I've had problems in the past with motion sickness didn't get that at all I didn't even really notice it wasn't a factor but in the past it's been such a factor is it third person you know is it fixed camera for me I think the gameplay and the the tension and, and some of the things that Neptune mentioned all kind of overwhelmed you in such a good way that for me it wasn't a factor I like first person games I've, I've played them for years and um, so the beginning hour demo really worked for me I quite enjoyed it and I was a big PT fan and I could sort of see where it was coming from with that regard but playing it with the VR set I can completely appreciate why they've done first person it's not without its issues the VR mode but at its best it could well be a game changer so we'll leave it at that for now mm-hmm. I just wanted to very quickly say there were very, there were quite a few moments during that game when I was thinking to myself I cannot wait to hear what Stars says about mm-hmm. the VR because my god if I'm going through this what the hell is he going through yeah. <laughs> I didn't mind the switch to first person but I, I don't think it particularly adds to the atmosphere in any way I think I think the game could have worked perfectly fine with the old system and I said when the game was first revealed that it was clearly built around the concept of VR and I still believe that now because like nearly all the jump scares in the game are crafted in such a way that VR is the best way to experience them you know people popping up in your face out of nowhere. So I don't mind the first-person view at all, but I don't think it's particularly made it more scary or added to anything, unless you've got VR, obviously. On the scale of where the game sits in and, and the franchise, for me, it's a really hard place to put it. It's the first game in the series I've enjoyed since 4, 
because I feel like it's been really reinvented. But the perspective part of it, I didn't think would work. I really, really didn't think would work, but I really stopped caring quite early on. Like, the demo hadn't convinced me. I was really unsure. And while it had, like, what they considered a taste of the atmosphere, it didn't really give across that taste of gameplay that you, you got over time. Um, it really is a great translation of the original third person into first person, I feel, just because everything else relatively stays the same item management, you know, exploration and so forth. I mean, it is a lot more straightforward, and I do feel the bottlenecking, it definitely has its references to Revelations especially, and I think that's got to be coming a common comment, I think, um, is that it does feel very similar. I would agree with Batman regarding the first person. At no point did I feel, for someone not playing with VR, that this game would have been any different if I was playing it in the older way, the -the over-the-shoulder hybrid third-person thing. Because you could explore, you could still look at everything, you could still get that atmosphere. I think it would have worked quite well with fixed camera angles as well. But I didn't feel it added huge amounts to the overall scene setting because I think the atmosphere and the design of the house in particular was so good that I think you would have picked up on that atmosphere anyway, regardless of the first-person setting. I don't think it hindered it, but I don't think it aided it either. I mean, this is maybe jumping the gun a little bit. But I actually think the first person worked at its very best, and I don't know how many people have had a chance to try this yet, in Sisters, because there's so much of that which takes place in near pitch darkness and you actually have to move into the darkness, which I don't think you got from fixed camera angles or anything like that. I mean, Sisters in its early stages was really fucking tough in VR. I physically didn't want to move into the darkness because I did not know what was going to happen. Can I just add on to that? Because I felt that so many times, the fact that I actually felt myself saying, I don't want to go any further. What am I doing? And what other Resident Evil game has done that? I mean, even Remake didn't do that. Yeah, picking up on what Sean said, for me, uh, that's what you got with the first person. And that was a wonderful feature of the game. I remember distinctly after finding me, I was like, well, that's great. I'll go. I'm, I'm done. I'm quite happy. (laughs) <laughs> yeah only only 10 minutes into the game yeah that's yeah. clearly going to work out well yeah. <laughs> i mean i will say with regards to the first person anyone who's played um pt i don't think there was ever a moment in the game though where like your heart was in your mouth going around like that corner again like you were in pt because pt i don't know if people aren't aware it was just a right angled corridor and each time you, you had to do it in a loop and every time you went round that right angle turn would have like a, a new nasty surprise waiting for it and by the end of it it was or, like nearly unbearable or... having to turn that corner yeah i don't think there's anything like that in seven i will say that i'm kind of glad for that to be quite honest because I yeah. didn't want them to have just blatantly gone, oh, yeah, here's PT. Uh, it was really successful for what it was, and uh, let's just copy it umpteen million times. No, it definitely didn't feel anything like it, And other than the fact they're both a first-person perspective. I mean, that's it's good as far as I'm concerned. I mean, the real welcome change, I think, in Seven is the introduction of weapons in a horror first-person environment, because so many have become like that PT, that outlast thing of just trying to escape and play on the psychological Walking side Walking survival systems. Yeah, mm. whereas this actually, like the moment like you get the pistol and the shotgun, it, it really does feel like a traditional Resident Evil experience in a different perspective. Can I get my negativity yes. out of the way? Yeah, go for and it. Th- then I'm going to be happy for the rest of the podcast. <laughs> Uh, no, I kind of said it a bit earlier. That I was talking about the future of the series and how this is it's certainly a return to form in horror, in scares, in, uh, in in atmosphere. And I think a big part of that was purely down to the fact that in order to do that, you had to have weapons, um, enemy sponges, bullet sponges. I'm referring to Resident Evil 2 Remake. I have no idea how the, the controls, the atmosphere would be replicated 
with the traditional zombie. I say that in the events that the Resident Evil 4 camera angle, i.e. 5, 6, and now the first person angle makes it so easy to get that headshot and to get the, you know, to get the big powerful shot. How it's part can... of the action gameplay. It, yeah, exactly. And of course it works wonderfully well in Resident Evil 7 because, you know, Jack, Marguerite and Moulded to an extent just take a hell of a lot to kill. Zombies don't. Zombies from, you know, director's cut onwards, you you got a good headshot. That's it, they're out. How are they going to make the normal zombie from Resident Evil 2, a relatively weak creature, even pose any form of threat to you when you're wandering around in first person? Uh, unless they just I have, unless they go down the Resident Evil 4 route and just have hundreds, hundreds of them. That's my concern. My expectation is if, if they did it in this style, there would be more zombies than the original, but that's just because they probably wanted to see more zombies. Yep. It was just system limitations, because we know that from 1.5. And secondly, it would come down to maybe, I don't know, the way items are managed, the scarcity of ammo, which would basically put you more on the back foot of having to choose your way through the zombies without having to be able to kill them all because you can't. You're literally unable to. You don't have the firepower, the weapons to do so, which would make it a much more tense situation. And also then having to waylay that choice of using that ammo against enemies getting through like more than what you need to just to clear a path and then the needs for ammo for boss fights and so forth which is not that dissimilar from seven in some respects like especially early on and definitely in madhouse where you have to make choices about how much ammo you waste to slow enemies down and and so forth Hmm. I was just referencing, if you like, you know, the main police operations room in Resident Evil 2. You know, that's a moment when you first go in that room, you're like, oh, holy, how many are there here? Six? And you're like, shit. You know, I just don't know how. I had this niggling feeling as I was playing the game that it only worked because there were bullet sponges. And I hope I'm wrong. I really hope I'm wrong, because this game is everything that, I think if you listen back to previous podcasts, is what I was asking for. It's effectively a soft reboot, starting again, in a small, one-off, kind of isolated incident, and works a treat. But, as I said, I was just concerned. I mean, I, I still don't, I'm not a big fan of the fact that they're remaking RE2. It, it serves no purpose, in my opinion. Did you not find that um, when you got the shotgun, though, it had that sort of tables-turning moment that the first game did, as in the original 96 like, you know, you could actually take out the moulded in one shot if you got a cracking headshot. You could conserve your pistol ammo a little bit more. Did you not? Yeah, did you not oh, yeah, that? yeah. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. That worked well. But as I said, you wanted to save ammo if you were suddenly being chased by Marguerite or Jack. And there wasn't enough enemies generally in the game. And as I said, I just felt that the only way they could keep the tension going was by just having, you know, effectively nemesis stalkers around all the time and you, you know not wanting to go in that room because you don't know if Jack's suddenly going to burst through or whatnot. That's um, fine. And so I, I, I think later in, in RE2 it was all you wanted to kill the zombies but you weren't sh- you know how much ammo is it going to take and you know normally how many how many does a zombie take seven eight bullets maybe more in the early games it was about like plotting a route as well wasn't it it was yeah. like I've got this amount of ammo so if I take out this zombie this zombie and this zombie it gives me a clear path to get to like the east wing every time and things like that it was quite tactical it, in that way it was and I, I'm just concerned that unless as Rombie's suggestion of having basically no ammo is the only way they could realistically well not any... no ammo but think yeah, of the original yeah. balance and Resident Evil 2 when you start the game you've got a handgun you've got limited access to ammunition even the weapon you get to start the gun shop like you're limited the amount of bullets you get for that too like you don't have a lot to go on for a good chunk of the start of the game and you have to slowly find handgun bullets everywhere as you look and even then they're not huge amounts and it would just be about the balance all I was going to say was just when you used to hold R1 then press X you had absolutely no control as to where those bullets went whereas in the first person RE4 mould you can take time you can go right I'm getting a nice headshot here 
and you know down them relatively easily i'm just intrigued and that's what i'm trying to say like not if you don't have enough ammo to do that to every single one of them if there's the numbers are stronger yep. which i expect they will be then that balances out like you can't take your time you can't i understand that making it first person will definitely make shooting zombies easier don't get me wrong like you can choose to shoot in the leg and the head because that's just, just the thing of all first person aiming especially but anyway we're going down the remake route we are we are but that was my only negativity and it was quite a strong negativity when i was playing the game i was just concerned about remake 2 but that's it i love the game so there we go moving on i was just going to say though i think with resident evil 2 particularly in those games before it the reliance was a lot more on the zombies as being a feature as an enemy whereas you know the molded don't play i don't think it's fair to to compare them the molded don't play as significant a role in the gameplay you know for the majority of the time uh, i haven't completed madhouse but for the majority of my time the molded are, are the least of my worries i'm constantly being pursued by that nemesis style pursuer with jack baker so it's, it's very much more you know for me like that outlast feeling of constantly having to either be one step behind him or i don't know there's that technique where you sort of concrete almost one step you know follow him around almost follow his step so you're you know always one step ahead of him okay sean did you want to speak about the vr because uh, you invested um, in it? well if we're talking with regards to that the first person quickly and that i will say that frustratingly my vr kit the stocks didn't come in before the game was released so i didn't actually wait for the vr kit so i actually played through the game so i didn't quite get the benefit in the main campaign of like some of the jump scares and things but i will say with regards to the enemies and the molded didn't do anything for me that much in terms of scares playing it through standard you know in, in the normal way in vr they're actually pretty awful <laughs> you actually feel anxious when they're you know charging towards you and things like that when they like swing you do instinctively almost want to like duck out the way that they're, they're quite horrific in vr and and they work really well batman did you you'd go the whole distance of vr no i didn't in the end i, I couldn't afford you didn't, it no, no. Um, it's a pricey bit of kit. I did try the Lantern demo, and the effect it had on the graphics, I think, it would have harmed the experience for me. But I, I would like to give it a go in the future, because I can totally see where Sean's coming from there. Because the moulded, especially when you encounter them in the basement, and you feel like you're getting swarmed because they're coming out the walls, and you, you can see there's one in front of you, and you can hear one behind you. You know, it, yeah. that's where that, it affects that's how, you. That's when yeah. it works. And sometimes when you don't even realise they're kind of there, and then you look, you think, fucking hell! Mm. <laughs> I'll get on to the main reason why the VR is so special later. But yeah, I mean, in terms of like amplifying the scares, it definitely does work. Okay. So another area that everyone was quite happy with, the mechanics, the return of a decent, the best inventory system, in my opinion, that was Resident Evil 4. Uh, the return of that item boxes, a save system, save room music, and the kind of VHS tapes as well. So starting with the save room and the music, was everyone pleased to have that back? And effectively ink ribbons. Oh, it was fantastic. It was like sitting in a comfortable old chair. And... <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah. It was. The save room music, when it kicked in, it was wonderful. But the nostalgia trigger was so strong, yeah. you know, and, and having the, having an item box just felt so right. <laughs> it was good. It was, And I remember, just as a specific example, that first save room, the laundry room, I remember getting the the key to open the the hatch to go under you know to go under the underground bit and i only just made it before i thought he was going to get me so i was kind of going through the the underground bit and he's going to grab me grab me and then there's the hatch i was like i don't want to go up he's going to be waiting for me and then he'll go up and then it's the save room i was like oh oh wonderful that feeling of safety yeah 
great. My, my only negative with the save rooms is I think that house, with it being like an older house, it, where, where where were the typewriters, really? Mm-hmm. It, they could have done typewriters so perfectly in this, it would have worked. I was uh, disappointed that you couldn't actually do a proper save system in, um, in normal mode, because I remember dying, I was like, oh, I'm going to have to start from, from that again, bugger, bugger, and then I didn't, I was like, oh, I wish I had now. I, I was devastated when I had to abandon Madhouse, because I really, really wanted that as the first time through, having to collect the cassette tapes to mm. Dave. I honestly think that Madhouse on the first run is near on impossible. You need to know tricks from the main game. To me, that is like one of the stupidest pieces. I know it's not actual DLC, but it was one of the stupidest things that you could ever potentially give as DLC is to unlock that mode straight off because it's pointless. There's no way. I've done nearly every game in the series is hard mode initially. You know, even like Zero, and that was like a a head slam your wall uphill struggle the first time Mm. through. I remember I really, really struggled with that. So I thought, you know, Madhouse would be fine. I'm pretty good with first person games and that. And Mia just, Jane saw, I just, just, it just fooled me. After about 90 minutes of trying it, I just, I, yeah. I didn't, I didn't realise you could actually create like a little circuit with her and you effectively mm. run around in circles. If I'd known that, it yeah, might, I never would have gone on better. Fine. But for me, it's like it felt that they were sort of dipping their toe back in Capcom to all the mechanics we got with remake, but then would just not maybe I don't know brave's the right word, but just to go you know fell into it but still you know there's just so many mechanics that you know me and others were being laughed at for suggesting forums would come back you know i mean we're talking over them but these are so significant in the sense that we really thought they were lost forever i mean enemies dying and not handing you ammo that in itself you know just (laughs) creates so much more of an actual gameplay for you and um yeah it's such a shame that we only get the use of the tapes with the tape recorders in madhouse i'm really pleased to hear what the star said because i've almost had to abandon madhouse I've completed normal mode twice and I'm finding Madhouse phenomenally difficult. Uh, But at the same time, it's just a wonderful tension, wonderful scares. Has anyone else finished Madhouse? No. No, I haven't gone back to it since. I've barely been able to play the game a second time. So You've platinumed it, haven't you, Rombi? Yeah, yeah, I have. Oh, that's impressive. That's impressive. <laughs> but I, I can appreciate the differences because one bit in particular was I um I don't know what you'd call the room, but the stairs leading down to the basement. I was on my way to the save room there, and of course the molded aren't outside the basement in normal mold. And then this fucking one of the spider type ones comes scuttling up the stairs, and then no. <laughs> it jumped onto the wall before I could aim my gun at it, and it was on me. It, they put their liquors in RE5 to shame. They are lethal. <laughs> yeah, I really thought. Yeah, that got me too. Yeah, you're walking down the hallway towards that save room and it just appears and you're yeah. like, holy sh-. Yeah. Yeah. Does it mix up item placement and enemy placement then, like advanced mode? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Some things are still in the same place or where you would find something originally, there'll be something else in its place and the thing that you're looking for will be moved somewhere else instead. Does that include puzzle items as well then? Some of them, yeah. Oh, wow. Oh, that's really good then. I was just going to talk about the return of the ECG, and I didn't find it that effective on the watch. It would be useful to have had it at the pause menu or something. Um, I just guard. Yeah. Press the guard key and it brings it up. Mm. Or, or you just bring up the inventory and then he pulls up his arm, but either one. Yeah. I thought it was okay. Did they have yellow fine? I can't remember if I was even yellow. Yeah. It was yellow yes. fine, yeah. Uh, not yellow fine, yeah. but they had orange caution, didn't they? Oh, okay. Yeah, yellow fine still remains RE1 exclusive. 
the idea on the watch was quite good. It's interesting because I remember because I played it a lot later after you guys did, and so I was kind of giving you a slight running commentary on on our messenger discussion. The story went off a completely different way to I thought it was because when you hear, as it turns out, Zoe attaching your watch at the beginning, I got the distinct impression that I wasn't the first person that she had done this to, and I, I kind of I thought that we were going down a kind of testing slash POW test arena type thing where a company would constantly which put fix isn't that far removed. I mean, we know that they've had other people in the house and every yeah. single time I mean the funds that we have seen that they've tested they've done the exact same thing to yeah. Zoe said and she's she's tried to help other people because she mentions Ethan's mm. the first person to actually get out of the house yeah, yeah. when he says I've killed your father she's like mm. you know fucking hell you might actually be able to do it yeah yeah. it's not a criticism it just didn't go the way I thought it was going and you, know, you, you see in the crash boat you see some dead people with the watches on as well mm. so I just wondered if there were people that had previously got that far or something like that But no I um, think it was just people <laughs> from the boat because I think that's where the watches themselves came from to yes yeah, yeah, it, yeah. they're made to seem a lot more important though like at the start when it goes on and you're told don't lose it and all that sort of stuff makes it sound really yeah. way more important like it ends up just being what it is I don't know about you but easily the most creepiest thing about the game was the old woman yeah. um, where was the most <laughs> random place that she appeared in your game to make you go fuck <laughs> for me it was when she appears in the basement because you... see, I've heard about this and I wondered if it was really true I know USS Command's mentioned this I've yet to see it but that really is the case on oh, my words because of all the places in the house that's the most implausible place she would be because you fight in molded aren't you and then you're running through oh. the basement because I often run out of ammo so I can't kill them all so I'm trying to keep ahead of them yep. a mechanic I used a lot which I really liked was the opening and closing of doors so they couldn't get in yes uh, yes yeah um, use that yes and then all of a sudden you run through the generator room and she's just sat right in front of you in a wheelchair mm. theatre you come up the stairs and turn the right and then she's just there and you go wow yeah, I loved it I'm, I'm no I've seen her there I thought Batman was referring to right down under the floorboards I've heard it suggested that she's been down there as well I was about to beat the generator room I've had her in the tunnel the water bit tunnel by the front of the house <laughs> uh, you know where you kind of go along and there's just a little gap and she was just sitting there and I was like holy shit yeah uh, how on earth did you get there you know the story explains it eventually but um, it was genuinely creepy that she just randomly appeared in the crawling I can't remember do you know, do you know what bit I mean I, th- I think what George was saying it's, it's either the front or the back of the house um, and you, you crawl you kind of walk half in water then it kind of comes up a bit then half down again yeah that was quite creepy but I was expecting her at some point just to randomly get up Oh, I just, it shivers down my spine, that the Mona Lisa thing of always keeping her eye on you, you know, that <laughs> wherever you are in the room, she just, just her, her head and it just lops so slowly oh, over towards you. And what's so wonderful about the woman is the, so, is, you know, the significance, you know, talking about the story, that was the part of the story that I thought was fantastic and very emotional at the end, you know, why does everyone hate me? I've never kind of felt for an antagonist the way I did for her, if that's even the right word to describe her. But yeah, that I love the fact that then after when you find out her significance, in the game how that takes on even more effect and emotion what does everyone think of ethan winters as the main character and clearly he is the chap from lost in nightmares i was gonna say yeah what you, what, you mean the returning character from five yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> 
for me just such a weak point in the sense that just a non-character you know, I've heard it suggested that Capcom didn't want to put an overlay that's going to get in the way and it, it was almost meant to just be like a, a clone that you can put yourself as the player into like a placeholder almost and that, that maybe with the first person coupled with that it makes you feel even more part of the gameplay which is interesting because you know when you play a video game do you want to play it, it almost feel it's yourself in the narrative or just connect with the hero that you're playing Leon or Chris I enjoyed the fact actually in this in a new way that yeah he, he was a non-character for me but that almost kind of added to the way I was connected it made it a more personal experience for me yeah that was clearly the idea he was deliberately not given any kind of personality because he's meant to be your avatar and this is why it winds me up when people say oh he's such a shit character because obviously we've had really strong protagonists in the past but he is meant to be you I mean you never see his face in the game we're not told anything about him what he does for a living or anything like that he's just meant to be an ordinary everyday guy which is everything Capcom has been saying since it was released so I can't understand these theories when everyone says oh he works for Umbrella he knows exactly what's going on and people have played a different different game to me that's a good point i didn't realize it was so purposeful if that's the case then i mean i even more i mean i'd completely agree with batman that's another for me non-starter of a criticism that's just uh, people criticizing the game that actually haven't taken the time to understand the game you know he's meant to be you he's meant to be a normal person who works in an office you know he's not meant to be a superhero that's all it comes down to and he's not ethan from lost in nightmares because that guy's dead <laughs> <laughs> and his death was confirmed <laughs> just, just let it go but Wesker's, did, Wesker's I, dead, and uh, the pistol at the end confirms he's still alive. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I did find it quite funny, though, that they really did go out of their way to make sure you didn't see his face, and the number of randomly smashed mirrors and, you know, no reflections at all in anything. You do get one glimpse, depending on what your settings are like in terms of brightness and that, but you can get a really good look at him at the very end when you're going around the guest house again, and he hallucinates... Oh, okay. he's through the wall. Mia, when she pushes you through the wall, mm-hmm. you get a good look at him there. Because oh, okay. there's a little bit where it doesn't fog enough as you get closer, it kind of fogs, and then when you get to a certain point, it gets denser. But yeah. if you've got the right settings, you, you can see him not brilliantly, but enough. There's a render going around that shows what he looks like anyway. He's I just don't a know dude, where come from. just a guy. Yeah, he's just a, just a guy. But there's, yeah, there's a render of his face floating around the internet, like a proper released one from Capcom. How is that? Oh, I'll have a look for that then. I know people had extracted the model. I didn't realise there was an official bit of... Well, I don't know if it's official, official. I don't know where it's come from, but it looks like it. But unless it's the model in high detail, it's quite wide detail. I can't remember where I saw that now. So I think that can kind of conclude our kind of introduction into uh, the overall premise. We've got much more to discuss. And um, I think after the success of our 20th anniversary Resident Evil 1 discussion, we're going to kind of take you listeners through the game as we played it. Uh, We failed to... um, perhaps get every bit of detail perhaps other podcasters found something that the other people didn't find um, we're going to take it bit by bit starting with the prologue which is the bit basically leading up to Ethan's capture Hello? Hey, it's uh, it's Ethan Oh hey, you alright? You just disappeared the other night Yeah, yeah, no, I'm, I'm good I'm good It's Mia She's not dead. She's alive. She, she's back. They found her? How? What happened? I don't know. Look, I, I don't know how, but she's back. She's back somehow. And maybe it's a prank, but she wants me to come and get her. Where is she? Dolby. Dolby, Louisiana. Dude, it's been three years. I know, I know, but what if it is her? I have to find out what happened. 
So that, as we all know, starts off nice and slow. A bit like Resident right. Evil 4. You're in a kind of autumnal world going through a forest-type area. Just at the beginning, was that purposeful nod to The Shining? Did you get that feeling with the, the very beginning? Oh, of yes. The, the, yeah, the angle of the car and the way it was driving, exactly the same as that opening shot with, with The Shining. Mm. That's true, yeah, yes. Good point, good point. As I was going on, the, the kind of bit is a slow, methodical build-up, isn't it, to, to getting to the house. You get that kind of glimpse as, as you're kind of walking. You've got weird sculptures hanging off trees. I think there's some skulls and whatnot, you know. And, just, and it's all, all very creepy. No weapons, nothing. Then you see the um, the van. What did everyone think of the, the kind of introductory bit getting to the house? Yeah, I like moments like that. You know, things like Resident Evil 5 where you can walk through the market at the start and you get that foreboding atmosphere where everyone's watching you you know and like you said the bit of Resident Evil 4 where you're walking towards the village and there's not really much happening it, mm. it gives you time to sort of speculate what's coming and let the game take you in And I really don't like those bits because the way that they limit where you can go and I sometimes think maybe they work better as a cutscene I think Sean once mentioned that cutscene in Dead Aim when you've got Bruce walking through the abandoned area yeah, the island. Yeah, that's one of my favourite scenes in the series. And maybe if you've got that as a cutscene, you know, the walking through instead, because I take what Bat says about yeah, it's quite a good way to draw you into it. But I always just get frustrated, not like it becomes an on rails game, and it feels very staged. I, I don't like the staged feeling of it. Yeah, I, I get what you're saying. It's it's a linear walk, isn't it, up to the house? But yeah, I do like yeah. investigating things. Like I like the way you can look through the gate at the main house, but you can't actually go in. And mm-hmm. then you've, you've got that sign on the wall that says "Accept her gift." And like you said, there's like dead birds and carcasses on the floor and then you find the campfire and Mia's handbag. You know, I, I like investigating stuff like that because it, yeah. it's like we've said many times before, it's a mystery story and that's where Resident Evil's at its most effective, I think. That's why for me those are the sorts of features that remind me of Remake. Mm. I got very much got a remake vibe at various points during the game and that, that was very much one of them walking up to the house and just those little environmental descriptions and those things even things like cracked mirrors worked quite well again like John says just that mystery and just wondering you, you, you try and read further and deeper into the story and you can you know for yourself I was going to say in regards to the handbag the thing that made no sense to me is the fact that it was just sitting there yeah does anyone <laughs> see why that is really weird like, it's just like she's been gone for three years you turn up and the handbag's just sitting outside it looked like someone was potentially going to be disposing of it but it wasn't it was just kind of sitting there i thought at first he was maybe lured to the house and they were sort of putting out clues to you know get him to the cell because the handbag was there and then you have pictures the black and white pictures in the kitchen and the living room yeah. showing where a cell is and showing a lion on the bed so i thought someone had put, oh i missed those i thought someone <laughs> put them there deliberately to keep him on the right track but then i can't think who that would be unless it was Evelyn mm. in a wheelchair maybe it was her but she gets the others to do her bidding you do see jack baker don't you outside walking past the swamp yeah, past the lake. Yeah, yes. yeah yeah and you're like oh, i'm not sure i want to follow him really i'm quite, I'm quite at, happy to sit at, at an impossible angle i might add too if you actually pay attention yeah. the direction he's walking isn't actually the direction the path goes he just kind of <laughs> disappears you, behind the, the hill there's a few of those beginning hour cheats in the game though isn't there where like characters effectively teleport around to be able to do their little scare and like you know there's there's bits like where Mia just comes out of corners like why would she be stood there Mm. yes yes things like that I remember when finally getting to the house and you go into that first room and it's pitch black isn't it I was like can I go back outside I can go back outside I can go back outside I went out outside for another five minutes just to have a look around again I was like 
I'm not sure. I'm really not sure I want to go in. And um, that was great because uh, <laughs> I didn't have any weapons at all. And I was like, I should have had something by now, shouldn't I? Even a knife, steel pipe, anything. And I was like, I'm going to this house. I know shit's going on in this house. I'm not sure I want to go in. And that was the that feeling I haven't had for a long, long time. And so early on in the game, it was it was brilliant. And I absolutely loved it. And then, of course, shit does hit the fan in a major way in this prologue. Starting off, I suppose, with that first VHS tape. I was going to say, I think there's one little bit of genius there, which obviously the planning on it was brilliant, was to, to have the beginning hour demo be a standalone demo that takes place in the same location as the first... Which, well, not only just the first, but it's also the last location in the main game. That is beautiful, mm. yeah. though, I think. Yeah, I love the that fact is... that it was beautiful. Sorry, the fact that you end up in that area as the last moments of the game. It was wonderful. With regards to that fucking tape, though, what is Andrew doing, honestly? <laughs> yeah, that's the only bad thing about it, isn't it? He just wanders off and you get this invisible barrier that you can't go past. But I think it's nice to watch the events unfold, because in the old days you would just pick up a file, wouldn't you, which would say these three people went in the house and disappeared. You know, it's mm. nice to actually see exactly what happened. Wouldn't it have been quite interesting imagine if they applied it to Resident Evil 1 you got to do that as George Trevor yeah, or, or something like that. Martin Crackhorn. Yes, any, any of them. <laughs> yeah. That would, would be have been quite... Fantastic. I have to be honest, I've never played any of the demos, so I didn't really know what Everyone was talking about VHS tapes, and I didn't really know what everyone was going on about. I was just kind of sitting there nodding, smiling. And when it started to play, I didn't know. I, I was just standing there. I was like, I thought it was an FMV or something, you know, a cutscene. <laughs> I, I was just standing there. I was like, what's going on? And then I think I accidentally tweaked my controller, and I started to move. I was like, oh shit, am I playing? <laughs> am I playing? Who am I? I'm not the same person. What's happening? Yeah, it, it, it took a while to realise what the hell was going on. And I think you said, Rob, that if I was to look down, Straight away, at that starting point, you get an item. Yeah, there's a lockpick. Yeah, not many people know that. Well, it was in a different place in the demo. It was near the microwave. But yeah, certainly that tape had a lot of jump moments. I said at the time I wasn't a big fan of the VHS tape, so I think I've grown a bit more. Does the ghost appear in the main game, or is it just in the beginning hour tape? No, it's just in the beginning hour tape. Is it? Yeah. So that's Which another is thing obviously you've got. just, yeah, supposed to be Evie's influence. So the whole point of the VHS tape, of course, is to find the secret lever. So that's American lever in the chimney to then open the secret area to go down and explore the sewers. How many people jump their skins when that head? <laughs> yeah, it's when it's when the bubbles pop up, isn't it? You think, oh fuck. <laughs> Something's in the water. Yeah. Neat VR thing you can do here is you can actually dip your head beneath the water, and then when you come back out, it like does water running down the screen. Oh, oh nice, nice. I would say by this point I was screaming, but I was like, I must have missed, I must have missed a weapon by now. And I was getting annoyed because I was like, right, clearly I'm about to be attacked by something. I reckon I was about 20 minutes in, maybe 25 minutes, because I was enjoying doing a lot of exploring at the beginning. And I mean, you could do it in five minutes, you know, get to that point within a couple of minutes if you did a speed run. But, you know, because I invested a lot of exploration time thinking I'll find something in a minute, that I I was convinced this is all going very, very wrong. It was this It was this point in the game for me that I thought, yes, I'm playing a Resident Evil game here. Because you get that little jump scare where you find Andre's body in the water. And then you start seeing photographs and newspaper clippings on the walls of people that have been captured. And then you find that file, that list of names that says, you know, they've either died or they've they've turned. So they've obviously been experimented on or something. And it was those little Mm. moments that thought, yeah, I'm, I'm definitely playing Resident Evil again here. 
Yeah, I totally got that. And what Neptune says is that you're, you're thinking, oh, you know, I'm always 10 minutes into this game and I'm yet to grab a weapon. Mm. And, and it was wonderful, you know, the fact that nothing in this game, particularly in, in Madhouse, is handed to you on a plate. Mm. And then, of course, you then find me, and I was quite happy to go home after that. I was like, well, mission accomplished. Let's go. And obviously, we then see what happens to her. And by this point, I was screaming, going, I've definitely missed a weapon. <laughs> because I can't do shit all against this berserk woman who's now deciding to impale me with a bloody screwdriver against the wall. I will say that the moment Mia turns up, I think the prologue gets a bit rubbish and a bit scripted. And yeah. I didn't enjoy it first time round. I found it quite jarring because when you walk up the stairs and suddenly it's pitch black and pissing down you know normally that adds to the atmosphere but i thought hang on it was bright sunshine 10 minutes ago it just felt a bit false and then when mia actually attacks you i couldn't work out if i was in control of ethan or not and i was just stabbing the buttons yeah i didn't know what was happening and i didn't like that at all i agree i the first time around i didn't like that i mean parts of it that i did like was almost the confusion i didn't know what the fuck was going on and then you lose your hand and i'm thinking there's no way i can be the rest of this video game and i actually you know (laughs) one arm so yeah death that's a good point it was jarring but second time around i mean yeah there were certain parts of that just the total confusion that kind of did work though certainly by the time i was you know ferociously pressing buttons whether it had any effect or not trying to pull the screwdriver out of your hand and then suddenly she comes in with a chainsaw and and they said slices off your hand you're going what the fuck is going on and absolutely at this point i was ready to go right well i'm I'm starting again because clearly i've missed (laughs) you know the grenade launcher must have just be on the wall and uh i've missed it and then of course i do wish there was a bit of text at times because i do think it would have made the funniest comment will you pick up your hand how many of you did oh do do you not have to no you don't have to no you can leave it I did the first time, and then the second time I went, eh, I know it gets reattached. <laughs> but, but at which point I was going, how is this man surviving? He's just had his hat chopped off. And then, of course, we, we end with the uh, welcome to the family. So. Which, again, I think another reason why I don't like the prologue is because there's a lot of like, really annoying cheats in there, like I've said about like the teleporting Mia. Mm. Um, and, like, it doesn't matter whereabouts in the house you actually end up taking Mia out. When he hits you near the ladder, you'll always yep. land next to Mia. Mm. You know, it's just annoying little cheats like that which break the immersion a little bit. But thankfully, that all tends to go out of the way once the prologue's done with. I did like some of the puzzles. I know there wasn't much of a puzzle, but I did like the fact that you had to have a good look at the um, where the fuse goes and things like that. And I was getting quite into it. And it, it does suddenly wrap up the action ready for the end bit. But I do feel as an overall package, that was a, a brilliant introduction to the game. The boss fight at the end, once you know what you're doing, it's fine because everybody I think just does the little loop now between the three rooms and waits for it to cut through the door God Madhouse was fucking unbelievable I was oh, just, just infuriated yeah, trying it to is, do that in it is, yeah. and that coupled with the fact I'll just briefly go into my experience right so I got home quite late from work that day already fucked off because I was much later <laughs> than I'd uh, intended to be to get started I didn't get the TV straight away VR kit was obviously not happening so that annoyed me and I knew I was going to have to start it without it then I had to give up the TV because uh, the better half wanted to watch something so I had ended up playing on fucking remote play on the oh. PC which dropped out every few seconds times like Mia would run toward me the connection would drop when I actually got caught up I'd just be a fucking disemboweled corpse on the floor with a you died screen you know and all this was just affecting my enjoyment of the game and, you know and that's when I had to make the decision after 90 minutes of fucking about like this to go back to normal mode and took her out on the second attempt but it's fiendishly difficult for the opening and in terms of plot, I know it's not made clear at this point, but 
it's obviously Evelyn's manipulation of Mia which has resulted in the email sending him to the farm because Mia has no recollection of emailing Ethan and she doesn't have any memory of it. Evelyn instructed her to do it because she's trying to add to her family. And Mia turns on Ethan because of Evelyn's manipulation. She wants Mia to kill Ethan because she thinks Ethan's trying to take his mum away. And obviously Ethan can't see Evelyn at this point because he's uninfected. But when Mia attacks him, that is the point when he's infected. Because she's infected infected with the mould and when she attacks him and cuts his hand off and puts a screwdriver through his hand, that's the point he becomes infected. But it's just never made clear in the game. And she transmits... Mm -hmm. So it's literally just by touch? Well, it's explained in the file that it's direct skin-to-skin contact. And that's the only time it can happen because nothing else happens to Ethan in the prologue unless they do something to him when he's unconscious. Mm. Jack's infected though, so he could obviously could he not have done it? Well, that's what I thought. When he grabs and punches them and then drags them. Yeah, Yeah. with me. uh... Thing is, if that process has already started immediately, that would uh, that would uh, explain away his. ability to be able to fight reasonably well with one hand. It's interesting, isn't it? Because as you play that game, you, you know, you find yourself being slashed open, you cut open and you don't know how much of it is just part and parcel of being attacked because, you know, in theory, when you're playing Resident Evil games, your character at no point ever gets bitten by a zombie or attacked by a dog or slashed by a liquor. That's it, because otherwise you become infected and, of course, your characters don't become infected. So a lot of it is kind of non-canon story elements. So it's quite hard when you're first playing is to know exactly what's official and what's not if you know what I mean is the overall plot so it was uh, that, that was a, I thought it was a good mystery but um, I did have my suspicions I was like no I, I think his hand would have uh, probably fallen off after being stapled back together I don't think he would have been able to <laughs> to survive that type of surgery uh, as primitive as it was toleration of being having his hand stapled back together was quite a good indication that he may be somewhat superhuman a lot goes on when he's unconscious when he's dragged back to the farm he still clearly feels pain when he's getting stabbed by Mia and I think Zoe realises he's infected and she staples his hand back on because she knows he'll soon develop the regenerative powers that comes with the first stage of the infection I mean I'll get into this a lot later on and when he regains consciousness at the dinner scene the bakers are trying to see whether he's been infected or not by making him eat this contaminated food to see if he'll survive because we know from the DLC bedroom that the food is poisoned and will kill you and depending on what Eveline wants you might get reanimated into a mould or you might just die. And when Ethan refuses to eat the food, Jack tries to test out his pain responses by stabbing him in the mouth with a blooming mm. knife and he's only interrupted when the cop knocks on the door. And then Ethan's infections confirmed shortly after. If Jack catches you before you can get through the trapdoor into the basement, you'll get that optional scene where he hacks off Ethan's leg completely. It's brutal. Oh. So many people won't have seen this. Yeah. No. It's a great sequence. Do you die? No. No. No, he taunts you. And you have to drag yourself across the floor to some healing items and your leg and reattach it. Basically, it just fuses your leg back on. Yeah. Oh. A lot of people dismissed it as being, no, it's just ridiculous, typical first aid spray, magical healing, but it's actually a plot-related thing. Yeah, Ethan is even shocked at why it happens, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. He's like, he can't actually believe it. (laughs) Where? Where am I? What the hell? Rise and shine, sleepyhead. It's time for supper. Who, who are all you people? Where's Mia? Eat it. It's good. Dumb son bitch wasn't no good if it hit him. Okay. 
Hit boy's got to eat. He got to have his supper. Come here, boy. So we move on to the main house after we have our nice uh, dinner scene, very reminiscent of the Texas Chainsaw Massacre, I suppose. That was creepy. Was that quite good in VR? I imagine it would be when they force-feeding you. It's not too bad. You can actually break the VR quite well, though, because the PlayStation VR is quite unique in that it actually detects you moving within its scene. So you can actually, like, get out of the chair, <laughs> but, but the scene will still play. It's really immersion-breaking. Right, okay. Get out of Jack's grasp, and he's just stabbing nothing in thin air. Uh, it's not a bad sequence in VR. Did you get that bit, John, in the demo when you went to try it? Yes, yeah. It it's made me react. You know, it makes you sort of push back in your chair and that. So let's talk about the entire house, the Baker Farm slash plantation. How did everyone find it as a location? Was the atmosphere any particular highlights uh, around the house? Any room you thought oh, this is this is the real deal? How does it compare to previous mansions? Because it's, it's a mansion, just a different type of mansion. Was it rather amusing, as in all Resident Evil cases, that you just couldn't leave <laughs> and just kick down some doors and go, right, I'm getting out, the fuck the lock, I'm just kicking out and getting out. I've always found that funny. Scares aside, the best thing about VR for me was being able to explore the world and the house. Okay, we don't get the item descriptions now of examining things, you know, where you go up to a bookshelf and press X and it gives you a brief description. But it's because you can actually see it now. There's not really mm. any need for a description because you can actually see firsthand everything. And like the early highlight of VR for me, it's going to sound ridiculous, but being able to look at the picture of the Arkley Mountains and actually lean in and go right up to it in VR <laughs> was really like quite special. You actually feel like you're inhibiting the world you know you're actually within it you know within the resident evil universe just feels really cool you're right there that's where the benefits of first person come into play you get those quiet moments where you know there's no enemies and you can really just walk around scrutinizing everything like i love the way you can pick up the pictures and examine them um, and do things like read notes on the fridge and open the fridge door even though it doesn't really do anything you know it's just nice to have that interaction again and the house itself obviously it's familiar ground isn't it but it felt different it didn't feel like a retread of the man or anything like that I think you know the decor of it and the layout was different enough because it's quite recently lived in as well isn't it so yeah yeah you know, when you go around the kitchen it's actually like in use it's yeah albeit delight I mean I think it works really well in um sisters can you actually see it in its glory don't you you know in its normal everyday kitchen yeah, mm. but that another highlight of VR is the actual ability to move around your head. Like you, when you open the fridge in the main game or the sewer gator's truck, 
you can't really do anything with it other than just sort of press yourself up against it. Whereas with VR, you can actually put your head into the fridge and you'll actually go into it physically. Can <laughs> you? That. Yeah, like the sewer gator's truck. When you open the side door with VR, if you actually like get out of your chair and lean forward, you actually go into it physically and actually see details you can't see you normally. You can like if you go up to shelves in the main house and actually like stand up within your chair, you can actually see above things like the fridge and on top of shelves. And there's actually like additional details and stuff that are lost that you can't see normally and, and that really is the highlight of it to me as good as like the combat is and the scares it's the fact that it makes the world feel like that little bit more alive and, and that, that was really the highlight definitely you know it really is a well rendered well put together little world yeah. the details like really quite exquisite in places I mean, it's, it sounds childish, but I actually felt a little bit giddy when I went up to a door and it said, oh, it's locked, you know. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> Never. you go up to the clock right. and there's like a pendulum missing and you think, oh, it's a puzzle, I'm going to have to come back here soon. And it's great. How did you lot get on when Jack Baker first appeared and you've got your first sort of proper hide-and-seek stalker moment? Well, if you guys all remember from the uh, chat that we had going that night, I was still halfway through my mental breakdown process. And there will be a comment in that chat which still says something along the lines of, I fucking hate this game. It's so disappointing. It's just a a shameless Outlast clone. Yes, you did. Because I, I really struggled with Jack, really did at first. I, I couldn't get my head around the mechanics, and I didn't realise you could fight back really that well. I didn't think it would be as effective as it is, but you uh, can actually stagger him oh, and no, no, take him no, out for a few no, minutes to give you a breather. I just like the fact that you had to run from an enemy as opposed to, you know, go in with your fully loaded automatic rifle yeah. and just go, yeah, die. I kind of just thought it was fun watching him smash stuff. Yeah. <laughs> The good thing as well is I think. Well, I've never had him burst through a wall. Yeah, I know loads of people who have, which is which is really cool. Yeah, it all depends on which way you're trying to flee from him. If you leave him in the kitchen or the space with the basically anywhere in the lounge area, and then run towards the puzzle locked door, he'll smash through that wall. So if you haven't grabbed the key, for example, which is what happened the first time I did, then yeah, he'll smash through that wall. But if you stay in the kitchen area, then he'll smash the table. Can you then run through the hole in the wall? Yes. Yeah, yeah. Oh, cool. it, it oh, yeah. gives you a really good shortcut. Yeah, it's yeah. a useful tactic. It's a very useful tactic because you could get in there, get and into the lounge. It took and me it gives ages you another to way find to hide key. from him too when he reappears. It took me ages to find the key. I must have been running around for about 15 minutes. Just going, I don't know what to do. I can't find it. You know, you just panic. Where do I go? I can't see it. And, it. and you can't spend a long time in the area trying to find where you want to go. And I, I just missed the key so many times, which is good, which is good, because it created a different type of fear and different type of tension that we've not really seen in Resident Evil for a long, long time. Resident Evil 4, 5, less 6, I suppose, had a different kind of manic... Is- you know, this is what know. Jack and, and Marguerite in their respective sections are what I thought the Ustanak mechanic was going to be in six. Mm. Yes. When they said you were going to have the Jake and Sherry's campaign was going to have a stalker enemy. That's what I thought yeah, yes. it, it meant. Not what we got on the uh, helicopters and all that shit. Yeah. yeah. I thought his dialogue was really good as well when he was stalking you. Yeah. yeah. Where's my <laughs> little Eva? <laughs> in the boss fight, did you steal the car or did he get in it? He got in it, killed me, did it again, I got in the car, kicked yeah. his ass. So there's some people I know who've played it didn't even know you could actually get the keys and get in the car, which is it shows this variation, which is really cool. Mm. Yes. I also liked in Madhouse mode how you had to get the key out of the lockbox first as well. Yeah. yeah. Like just to add that little bit of extra thing that you had to do, which increases the chances that he's going to get in the car first. Yes. Yeah, so do you know when you pick up those boxes? Did you, have you ever picked it up, tipped it up? Because it makes a noise to indicate there's something in it. 
Mm. Which is a really nice touch. Can we uh, join the list of great Resident Evil characters? Mike, Posh Brown. The cop. The cop. Oh, at least we knew ye before being brutally attacked and killed. Well, what, what a hit. If he, what a hero. If, if he trusted Ethan to begin with. Cool death, though, wasn't it? It was. It You've seen the Japanese yeah. version. I was going to say exactly that. You've seen the differences in the Japanese version. Yeah. People with the, slide, no. the chunk of his head doesn't fall off. You just get a photo yeah, of him in the fridge that. later. You don't get his decapitated. Yeah, and you don't have to reach in and grab the key out of him either. It's just sitting there. I must admit, I pissed myself the bit later on where he's like hanging by a meat hook on the wall, what and he just go up to him and he just goes, "Poor deputy." <laughs> I pissed myself. It was hilarious. <laughs> Can I just make a couple of quick points? When Jack bursts through the wall, this is one of the things that I think that this game, it gets ignored that it does so much better than some of the classics that people have been lording over it. You've got the scene where Nemesis bursts through the wall, but it happens in exactly the same point, in exactly the same time, every single time you play Resident Evil 3. It's amazing for me to hear stars, I think, mention that it's never happened to him. I've had it happen on so many occasions, but here's the point, on different occasions, and you think you've got it pegged when you think, well, he's only going to burst through the wall when he's on that side of the wall but I've had that's again another degree of jump scare when I thought that it, there was no way he was going to do so and, and he does mm. and um, that's what I love so many of these jump scares aren't linear almost scripted this game so many times feels for me like the no man's sky of there's so many variations and there's so many different occasions when he's burst through that wall just completely got me and you also have the relief as well when you know he's gone mm -hmm. um, so you can get out and explore and find like Clive O'Brien's book and yes. uh, the, pic <laughs> the picture of Zoe with her eyes scratched out I was going to say on that relief thing I was wondering what the difference when it got to Madhouse mode was how different it was going to be and like mm. there's almost no relief like you don't come out he's back up within like yeah 30 seconds and, and you're like oh man <laughs> And Batman mentioned his script. I just, I took this game to another level for me in terms of other Resident Evil games before it. You know, with Madhouse, so you're constantly having, because he's, he's in that extra section in that main hub that you don't get in the in the normal game. So you're constantly always having to hide from him. And I found myself in so many different areas of the house. And you can just, sometimes he's just behind you, but then other times you, you almost feel that relief when you hear some of those lines coming from Jack away off in the distance. <laughs> and you can hear them way off in the distance. You can also hear thudding and movement, like if yeah. he's above you, he'll like you lift him, and you're downstairs. You can hear that, which I thought was yeah. brilliant as well. Has anyone had a moment like the scene in Aliens when they're in? John's gonna have to pull me up on so many errors I'm gonna make recreating this scene when they know that that sensor is working, and yet it's telling them the aliens are getting closer and closer and closer, and they they can't see them, and they're above them, and which which one the character's like? They're in the fucking room, man, and but mm. they're not, but they are on the. And I I had that with occasions where. Jack is just I know that he's creeping up in front of me so I'm kind of and but then suddenly he's behind me mm. and uh, oh my god does he actually stalk you in the main house then in that house yeah, yeah. It's, constantly oh, wow. yeah constantly it's, it's wow. another game it is. That's where Madhouse is at its best. Because in normal yes, mode, yes. he's always going to appear in that corridor. And then once you've got yeah. rid of him, you know he's not coming back till you're in the bathroom on the second floor. That's where it falls below Alien Isolation for me, because it's the same game every time. But then when you play Madhouse, and you're in yes. the main hall, and you're where the Arkley Mountains picture is, and you think, yeah, everything's fine, I'm safe in here. And then he suddenly comes barging through the door. 
and straight at you. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. so, I've had him in, though, on normal mode, on easy mode. Yeah. You do when you yeah, have to be in the bathroom. Oh, okay. Have you been in the bathroom, and you haven't taken him out, and then once you get into the kind of other wing of, of the main building, he kind of disappears again. But yeah, in Madhouse, yeah, he'll constantly just stalk you through rooms, like, so, endlessly. So would and you if you take him out, a... he'll only just get up again. So difficulty aside, then, would you actually say it's a better game in Madhouse? It treads a fine line because for me, I found it a bit too hard to the point where it spoils your enjoyment of it because it is too hard. Like Jack can walk faster than you can run in Madhouse. So once yeah. he spots you, it's very, very difficult to get away from him and he can sort of kill you in like two hits. There were parts of the game that that made it for me when, like you say, you're running from him and, it, and it's so tense and you're like literally, I, I mean, I found myself, it's a cliche, but I was on the edge of my seat because I actually had to check myself. I found I was almost kneading into the television as I was like Indiana Jones, like trying to get under the wall. I managed, you know, just, just diving head first into the safe <laughs> the sanctuary yes. but john's right because you asked the question it is for me it's so much a better game but i'm now finding myself almost having to abandon it because i've kind of got past that stage where i'm having to spend most of the time fighting molded and it is very very hard mm-hmm. yeah the balance of ammo and the choices made towards enemies is uneven as well like which really does make that difficult because the main game works around this idea that sometimes if you don't have enough ammo or you don't have the items you need to craft what you need you can still kind of avoid enemies but a lot of the ones in madhouse mode are put specifically to block your path or almost endless enough like jack that the balance of ammo goes way out and you end up spending large chunks of games without it if you don't plan accordingly and while the block mechanic is brilliant for the game because you can block quite a lot of damage yeah a couple of hits from most enemies kill you and a lot of the kind of setups are almost they're instant death traps that you have to learn from and then go back and repeat so that's where the manual save system kind of does really work but yeah and before you thought in normal mode bosses felt like bullet sponges they're real bullet sponges in madhouse they they take a lot you can kill the molded with a specific amount of headshots i thought but i'm hitting them in the head i mean nick's saying like old zombies that are sponges like seven eight nine times and they're just not going down they do seem to vary in how many bullets they take like the one in particular travis who you get out of the uh the fridge in the morgue yeah this is what i keep falling down on that area i think that one in particular seems to be a lot stronger than the others i didn't even bother shooting him i just grabbed the key and and ran he's not even there in the madhouse mode no because what happens is you get two of them with the bladed arms appear from both directions because obviously the hallways are blocked like they're narrow Mm. so it doesn't matter which direction you head to try to get back out of the basement area or further into the basement area sorry they will block you in so Mm. yeah I just want to go back a minute and just talk about the um, the key questing and the getting the three dog heads for the house because that's sort of 20 minutes of exploration. Fair enough, it's easy to do and it doesn't take that long. But to me, that sort of 20 minute portion just felt like we were playing Remake again. Yes. You remember when I was playing for it, I, I think I said to you, I'm up to this point, I must be close to the end. <laughs> so I was like, what percentage am I at? And I think, sure, you went um, 15% of the game. And I was like, <laughs> you know, because I've, I've, I've been having so much fun kind of exploring all the areas and I think what's quite interesting is the Daughters DLC whatever it's called because you got to see the mansion in its heyday whether they did it on purpose I don't know you got to see the stupidity of their door locking system with the dog's heads and things like that which I swear was just done for kind of tongue in cheek purposes because it's always been an ongoing joke in Resident Evil isn't it you know yeah Ethan makes that jokey comment after doing the first shadow puzzle about who the hell builds this stuff yeah I was (laughs) quite offended by that comment yeah (laughs) 
<laughs> and it's quite funny to see Zoe have to go I, through the same effort just to go outside. I love the fact that you find uh, a receipt for the company that built the Shadow. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> there's a company out there that builds these for you. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's great. Yeah. <laughs> and there's a reference to George Shadow. Ethan got his there? answer. Isn't there is a reference? a reference to George. Yeah, George. I don't know where Chamberlain thinks. Who the fuck Chamberlain thinks he is? Or maybe George, George Trevor sent him over to see Spencer to get rid of him. I don't know. I think it's just like uh, Wayland Utani and Aliens. The Trevor companies merged with someone else after his death. He sold out, George. He sold out. <laughs> just take this moment to apologise. I've actually been calling the DLC sisters. It's actually daughters, isn't it? So I thought you were, but I didn't want to correct you. I, no, no, please correct me because I've, I've been wrong for about an hour now. So uh... You were confident in it, so I assumed I was wrong. There's going to be a bunch of people probably yelling at the podcast constantly that, for the first hour that, going. That's why I got You've it. got the DLC wrong. You've got the DLC that's, wrong. That's why I got the apology yeah. there. Translation errors. Translation errors. <laughs> How can they even talk about this game? They, they can't even say the name right. <laughs> But that building receipt is definitely a George Trevor reference because... Um, oh, yes, I know what you're going to say. I yeah. didn't see this. She sent this out to yeah, me. It's she, wonderful. I missed it completely, and she messaged me and told me as well, so she deserves full credit. But the dates, November 10th to November 30th, the construction dates, match oh, perfectly. Yeah. With Jessica and Lisa arriving at the mansion to when George is killed. Amazing. I, I, I want to apologise to Capcom now because I've said at least twice, made some sort of little dig that, you know, are there any employees at Capcom that, you know, even know that this is even a game or that was even a character so i don't know who the hell put that in from capcom but just you're wonderful thank you to be to be honest they don't realize the good they've done just by putting Alyssa ashcroft in there <laughs> yes seriously <laughs> that's a hell of a reference that is and even clive o'brien's book you can't do anything with it but just the fact that it's there it's you know yeah. it's really really good i wanted to read it yeah <laughs> might that explain the, the bastard problem. plot <laughs> They've also tied in the uh, Dead Rising universe in there too, I saw. And Fighting so, Street. Frank West. Yeah, and Fighting Street, yeah. Oh, you're lucky, guys. That was a question in the quiz. Right. <laughs> Oi! It was. Oi! It was for Vito, but I uh, decided not to go with that one, so there we go. Oh. Um. <laughs> Yeah, let's just quickly just to discuss the because the, the references to the canon aren't many. So you've got you got Alyssa Ashcroft, you've got Clive O'Brien. Isn't there a magazine on the boat which is 16 years on Survivors uh, of Raccoon? Raccoon. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. It uses a piece of artwork from ORC. Let's just ignore that. Does it? Oh, I didn't realise. <laughs> yeah. No. It's the, yeah, it's the outskirts sign of Raccoon City. Oh, are you sure it's not from Dark Side? It could be, but it looks like one of the promo ones. It's from Dark Side. Let's just let's just say. Yeah. It. <laughs> So I also enjoyed the things that weren't immediate direct references. I mean, those were wonderful, but also the things that just had slight parallels. Batman mentioned before Zoe with her eyes scribbled out that just reminded me of the paintings, you know, on the landing in Remake where you've got all the faces painted out. And, and just again, just little things like that, the intrigue, you know, just the fact that the puzzles were in the style. It just felt so much in the style of, not Remake, just in the style of Resident Evil, even the, the shadow puzzle, the fact that the portrait was just, I think, called Sky Hunter. And, and it just had that, that Resident Evil feel that sort of old kind of gothic you had to get a broken shotgun didn't you that's another reference yes uh, yes. The sound effects for the keypad. I like the double. Yeah. Oh, Resident Evil Did, 3. That was real funny. I downloaded the free theme that was released like a while back, and I didn't install it. And I thought on the day of 
Resident Evil 7. I put it on, so before I'd even loaded the game, and I put the Resident Evil 7 theme at the release, and it's got the old computer sounds from Resident Evil 1. Oh, brilliant. <laughs> I was just like, oh, that is so brilliant. There's two different themes. I can't remember which one it is. There's one that you got with a season pass or pre-order, and the other one that was free for... Or you have to have a PlayStation Plus account. That's the one. Is that the 20th Plus anniversary one? No, it was just a free Resident Evil 7 PS Plus theme. Oh, right. Oh, cool. I'll see if I've um, got it. If you've got PS Plus, you can download it. What did everyone think of the final Jack fight down in the basement? Oh, I didn't I, like I it. I hated it. No, I oh, I love the chainsaw. Giant. George. Oh, what no. the fucking hell is this? For all the criticism of the modern... You, can you criticise Resident Evil 5 and think, I know what takes Resident Evil back to its roots. Two characters dancing with chainsaws in a basement. <laughs> That's like, a it's a scene point. at the fucking Running Man. I think, I suppose, the horror and the intensity and the fact that you were in that enclosed arena, but putting that to one side, I mean, yeah, I, I can't disagree with what Starza says. Like, Ethan's supposed to be an everyday normal guy, but he wields yeah. a fucking chainsaw like a katana. <laughs> <laughs> I think more just the intensity. Maybe his day job is Woods Doctor. With <laughs> <chainsaw>. <laughs> the thing is, I would actually buy that. If they said that, if they had a lumberjack t-shirt, a lumberjack shirt, I would accept that. <laughs> <laughs> or he picks up the chains and goes, perfect, this is exactly my skill set. They do an Evil Dead thing there, don't they, where he says, definitely not groovy. Yeah. I think that was one yeah. of the only areas in the game where I found the controls quite clunky and quite difficult to manoeuvre. Yes, yeah. I'd agree. Yeah, it, gives, it gives that indication that you can ram the chainsaw by holding the trigger buttons, but it doesn't really feel like it responds correctly to that. Like, no. it works, but it's like really laggy yeah. and kind of clunky. I like the idea that you can jam it in his face and then they like, kind of split him in half and then he turns into the mess and then you can kind of jam it in there and just hold it it reminds me of um brain dead or dead alive with the um, lawnmower just i'm oh, holding the lawnmower on the zombies <laughs> i have to be honest after i killed him i could not figure out how to get out <laughs> i was like i just wandered around okay? i've got this chainsaw i was gonna and, say there's a big and, bloody clue there no i had to go to game facts <laughs> to get out the Resident Evil chainsaws are amazing, aren't they, as well? There's one in Resident Evil 5 where uh, the chainsaw Magini chainsaws are a steel gate open. You know, they really do have otherworldly chainsaws. And what the fuck is that contraction Jack has? Like, like big, what is it? Big, like, motorised shears or something. <laughs> I would say, this is a funny thing, like, I remember in the beginning idea, there was heaps of, like, half-mutilated animal corpses, mm. and, like, that would make sense, but there was just bodies down in that basement, there wasn't really much in the way of animals or anything like that, so... I think they were cannibalising people, because you can get those, there's, like, post-it notes on the fridge saying something like, oh, male in his 20s will make good barbecue, or portly, portly man in his 50s <laughs> oh, will yeah, make good clear. steak. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, it's pretty clear that the stuff on the dinner table is the innards of other victims, yeah, and obviously all the hanging bodies everywhere. Yeah. How did everyone find exploring the house? The bits where you, you know where you were squeezing through. Uh, do you feel that, that they could have actually made that a bit more intense? It's quite automatic, isn't it? You kind of go through. There's not a lot you yeah. can do, and you kind of get all the bugs start creeping. I was like, oh shit. They're not oh, even shit. massively effective in VR those sections, to be honest. Isn't it? I, I, no, I, they, I, don't, they don't work terribly well. I was almost expecting Marguerite or someone to sort of try and grab me through the wall at all times. You know, I felt very vulnerable going through it. But yeah, no I've point, got that feeling. At no point was it ever capitalised on, and it just became, you know, slightly tedious. I don't know, that that was a, um, something they could have expanded upon. Well, I was going to say, I kind of lulled myself into full security that they couldn't, certainly Jack couldn't, because I was using that area to get away from Jack in the main house in Madhouse, and then you go into that section with that little room where you've got the stuffed kind of full stag 
yeah yeah there and on madhouse when you go into the next room you've got this molded that chases you into that room so i went into that corridor and certainly the beginning set thinking he's not gonna get me and i got swiped from behind just at the beginning now i don't know if i'd gone fully into it and once you go into it and you've got that linear kind of scripted motion where they can get you but as i kind of went into it and i certainly was going through the motions of going through into it and i was well well out of the room and it did get me uh, and that, that was an- another example of a jump scare that the way I, I kind of felt safe and then the game just came and bit me on the ass. Throughout the game, like everyone touched on a bit earlier, there's lots of creaking and noises going off and you don't know you that. may have knocked. So that was quite exciting. Yeah, I'd pick up on that. I found that completely. And, and like going back to that point with Jack and, you know, being various points in the house and, and hearing his voice, you know, in different areas and emanating and echoing with varying degrees, I thought it was fantastic. And I was actually surprised yeah. just how stripped back it was. There's, you know, so many areas where it's complete silence. Yeah, there's not a lot of music in the game, which is good and bad, but I genuinely liked it. Again, I think, you know, you've got with Remake where certain rooms have got their, you know, iconic signature music. But with this game, I mean, Neptune mentions the, you know, the bangs and the creeping. You know, you're not going to get that if you've got the music, you know, in in the background getting in the Mm. way. Again, that's just kind of adding another dimension, another layer to the tension and the atmosphere that, you know, you do get the creeping. and, And that works. That's concentrated and focused so much more, again, in Madhouse when you're reliant on those noises to wonder whether Jack's on top of you or not does anyone have anything else they want to discuss about any, any points about the main house uh, any, any room in particular they felt was uh, particularly foreboding the room with the pool table was quite good and the veranda where you could see outside and you could see marguerite walking past the caravan with a lamp- yeah. lantern yeah that's yeah. a wonderful moment and again i keep going back to it but in madhouse i was hiding down in that area and then i just hear off in the distance i need a drink and I, oh my god, this is the bar, he's coming this way. <laughs> did everyone enjoy draining the bar? Yeah, it's yeah. cool. I had one of those moments, like Nick did early on, I was like, I really don't want to drain the bar, because I know that's not going to be good. <laughs> because, well, I know I, there's something in there I need. Yes. It's only going to lead to more pain. Yes. <laughs> because I had that moment, almost certainly, when you go into the old lady's room, well, I assumed it was the old lady's room, and there's that secret passageway. And she's just sitting in there at that point. If you turn oh, no. around, if you sort of walk back out around the corner, and then if you look back, she's gone. Mm. Oh, is that... she? I, 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 oh, she's yeah, I don't she's know there. this bit. I don't know this bit you're on about. It's fascinating. On the main hall, what is it? Off the main hall. When you have to come back to the house and get the two card keys from the two bedrooms, and you have to go up to the bedroom, and there's the, the hidden passage under the bed. Under the bed. And she's just sitting there, and you're like... Uh, because I felt that was the first point in the game where you're in really close confines with her. You're in her domain because you kind of assume that was her bedroom. Mm. And I was like, oh, she's about to get up now, isn't she? <laughs> she just doesn't. You're like, oh, you're so creepy. <laughs> I think just before we move on from the house, um, two things. I think it really comes into its own in Daughters walking around in the dark's really fucking scary and the amount of optional places because i completely missed the toy items puzzles yes i missed the mm. hidden crawl spaces um <laughs> and i can tell you guys about one of them i think yeah i mean i i couldn't really match up any of the treasure photos no no i got one one that was it and i was like no, i don't know where the others are so that and that in a sense oh. is, is really quite cool like there wasn't many areas in like for example the remake that you missed you know you tended to cover the whole area by the time you'd finished the game whereas this was like really cool i mean i was absolutely shocked like when uh when Rombie had said on the chat that there was that hidden crawl space with another puzzle mm. i got the broken shotgun back by taking the toy shotgun but never found the repair kits to actually make it 
the one of them's hidden and the other one's is one of the photo items. So. Ah, okay. That'd be why. The first photo is the steroid in the fireplace. Yes. The second photo is the one that I'm struggling to remember. I know where you get it is at the greenhouse area. I can't remember what it is of, though. Oh, it's the toilet in the caravan. And the third photo, which is the one you get in the bedroom upstairs, is during the puzzle thing with Lucas. There's a mannequin head up on top of one of the first rooms you come into. It's got a cage, and that's where you get the second repair kit from. Because oh. yeah, you get magnum bullets in the caravan. Yes, yeah. yeah. And you need, which obviously you need to get the coins in order to unlock the magnum out of the cage. Oh my so. god, talking about the coins... Honestly, I did not work out what those coins were for until I got to the boathouse at the very end. I was like, oh! Did, did you miss the bird cages in the in the caravan? Yeah, yeah, but they teleport, don't they? You get them in the boathouse save room just yeah, before you go you down do to the, the salt mines. They're there, and then I thought, what are these for? And I had the numbers on, and I thought, I've, I've not encountered these keys at all. And I thought, I wonder if it's got anything to do with. Uh, then it all twigged. And I was like, oh great, there we go. So, <laughs> if you'd had the opportunity to um, play the demo and finish it properly you, you could get one of the coins early there's the mold coin which does something against the molded doesn't it as well like reduce yeah. damage or something yeah Ethan if you find this I know I can't expect anything from you not after what happened after what I did but I just want you to know that wasn't me I don't I don't know what happened there's so much that you need to know. There you are! You gave us quite a scare, young lady. Well, that's a nice link to moving on to the outside area after you've got through the doghead puzzle and done so all sorts of things, just open the back door. You enter the outside area and you make a bolt for that caravan and hope that it turns into a save room, which it is. I don't know about you, but a couple of times when you go back outside, the liquor-type moulded there yeah. are absolute pain up the arse because you cannot see them. Mm. They are so well hidden in the grass. It's the noise that gave them away in the infamy. Yeah. Because you can hear them scuttling. I think the outdoor sections are hands down some of the best in the series. And yep. the atmosphere is incredible. Yeah, I kind of just wanted more of them. That's the, yeah. the only unfortunate bit. They're so limited. They're great. What I liked about the opening kind of courtyard bit was that there's so much to explore in quite a small area. Even when I came back for the last time, I completely missed there's just a little pot on the side of the steps. It just looks part of the background. Get closer. No, it ain't. Mm. Lift it up, and there's something there. And I was like, how did I miss that? It was great that it wasn't everything, you know, items all shiny all the time. I know you get the adrenaline things to help, but, you know, you completely miss stuff so much of the time. Oh, I was going to say, overall, that's one of the things I actually did like. It's just the fact that there are items hidden in places and nooks and crannies and crevices and gaps and stuff all over the place. And you can be walking back and forth and never know they're there unless you either use that or unlock the bonus item that allows you to see everything. So, like, yeah, I, I really enjoyed that. I did, absolutely. Kind of going to size it. What did everyone think of the chemical side of things with regards to the the items, you know, combining with the... What uh, was the stripping agent? I didn't understand. Was it to use it, in the, on that bonus dirty coin you no, got? No, no, no. The like, only other item that I got I never ended up using it's was only that scope want... in birthday that it says that it's dirty. And I thought, do I clean that scope to them? Oh, it? don't. No, you don't, just don't, use that for the puzzle. No, um, no the, the, the stripping yeah, agent just use if you want to change your mind with one of your combinations. Yeah. Or break an item that you've picked up down to its forms like it does the same thing so if you uh made a flame round and then we actually know i want the ore stuff whatever it's called oh, i can't remember it's not coming to me right okay. now back 
you can take the item back to its original pieces yes. and then recombine it or something else. Almost um, a little yeah. hint of kind of Resident Evil 3 when, you know, that's, when you're combining ammo. That's what I was going to say. That's what it felt like in a perfect extension of to me, was that yeah. mechanic yeah. In, in 3. I was going to say as well, I just forgot as well, we were talking about the coins. So Madhouse mode, you guys wouldn't know obviously because you didn't get that far, but if you unlock, there's two other coins that you can get. I think it's two. One of them's like a power, like a strength coin, and one of them's like enemy, molded enemy attack coin or enemy attack thing. So they give you slight stat increases on your I think on your health and attacking uh, ability. I think I've got 16 out of 18 antique coins. There's more in Madhouse's 34 oh, I think. Right. Oh wow, okay. So some of them are in the same places, a couple of them are most of them are in new places and random places. And What is it yeah. you can get in the caravan? Is it a magnum? A magnum. steroid, a stabilizer and a magnum and then at Madhouse mode there's you have to find at least three or four of the coins in order to get one of the keys I think it's the scorpion one and there's yeah, the two extra coins which are carryable items such like the one from the demo could I interject by this point I think by the time you get outside you've accumulated quite a lot of stuff whether it be herbs or the you know, stripping agent and all the, the other chemical crap did you? I mean, I, I just loved the the kind of OCD nature of going, keep going back and forth, doing a little bit. What do I need to take? Thinking about what I need to take with me. Yeah. It's funny because it's probably one of the first times like I've actually had the you know you don't have the capacity to carry this prompt. Yes. Come up, and uh, yes. I yes. Didn't, it actually didn't bother me. Yeah. I was actually like quite pleased for it. Yeah. It was a nice return to form. In trying to think, well, I've, I like my handgun actually. I'm quite good. I'm quite good at the handgun. I've got a lot of ammo, but do I want you know? I've got enhanced handgun ammo. Should I get rid of the normal handgun ammo, or do I take the shotgun that takes up a lot of space? It? And the flamethrower takes up huge amounts of space. Is it that good? How much ammo of that am I going to get? Is it going to be the sh- like the shitty flamethrower from Resident Evil One? And the answer is yes. <laughs> But it's got a lot of uses. Oh, it has, it has its there. uses, though. It's good for taking out the nests and that's And about the bugs, it. yeah. It's pretty good against Marguerite if you can get close, if you stay close enough to her. She, um, she doesn't light flame, obviously, for obvious reasons, so it's pretty good against her. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is a nice link into Marguerite and her little bit. It certainly felt when you saw her that, right, we're now in stage two of the game. I was just going to say, Christ, that old house didn't half remind me of the guard house. It was pretty much exactly the same. Yes. <laughs> yeah, I really feel like that was their inspiration mm. for it, wasn't it? Like mm. That and the greenhouse beside that you end up in the fight afterwards. Like, yeah. like two sections together. Like The old house was petrifying, I think. It was so creepy. It wasn't, you know, yeah, it wasn't it unnerving, but just generally, this is, what the hell? And I think this is one of the things that I can't get over some of the criticisms of this game is it just that was just such a one wonderfully designed area yeah. So masterful in the way that just like the residence in Remake was different but went so well hand in hand with the mansion. This again, yeah, it, it was a, a totally different building, but it just, you know, just felt part of the same estate. And, you know, the, the design of it, really the, the plan, they really thought this through, the developer, because with the gameplay and the stalking and, you know, you, you have to find your own kind of technique around and your own little roots. And I just, you know, I'm constantly, again, on edge all the time. And can I say kudos to the VHS tape for Mir in this. I thought that was a lot better handled than the first VHS tape. And certainly yeah. when you get to the end of the boathouse, where ultimately where that save room is right at the end of the pit, you know, where to hide. Uh, the first time she got, she absolutely got me and I was like, where do I hide? Where do I hide? Because I, I couldn't think of it. Was, you know, ultimately it's behind the door, isn't it? And, and, and that worked out quite well. But I think that was, um, that was handled well. It's a nice little sequence, but I fail to see what the point of that videotape is. Because it's not a 
flashback it actually happens whilst you're getting stalked by Jack in the main house Mia's getting chased by Marguerite in the old house and it doesn't really do anything apart from give you a little foreshadowing about the insects and tell you where the flamethrower parts are it gives you a bit of an idea of the layout too I yeah guess. but I just thought it didn't really work compared to the other tapes I didn't mind the sequence the sequence of hiding from Marguerite was quite effective and enjoyable I just I didn't really see the point of it that's all yeah. is this also because you'd obviously played the lantern demo which was that Mia tape basically yeah maybe so I had just, just and I found it quite effective when you played the um, lantern demo John did it actually have the introduction where she's talking to the camera uh, yeah it did yeah oh wow that's pretty cool. It's the whole tape. I think some of the dialogue in the demo was censored, though, to not give away some of the plot. Because you hear yes. Marguerite saying stuff, don't you? Like, she says she knows you've been plotting with Zoe to try and uh, escape or something. Yeah, that, mm. was, that wasn't in the demo. And did you get the jump moment when Marguerite caught you with a crawling bit? That, that <laughs> yeah. bit's a VR moment, but it, it does work. <laughs> it is very horror trope too in itself like you know the person being dragged away from the camera is like Rick and all those other movies sort of kind of the handheld camera yes mm. I remember after um, you trap Marguerite in that hole don't you and then I think when you come back there you see something scurrying off and you quickly realise that's the only way out and you're like I don't want to follow you or what, you didn't know what it was I didn't even know what it was I just assumed it was another a liquor type thing I didn't realise it was actually Marguerite you can hear cackling on a better lantern and she grabs it and drags it off behind her. Oh, mm. uh, okay. And, and the, the you know, cre- people cre- criticising the files of this game, you know, I mean, my God, find me something in remake other than one particular file which isn't, you know, no different to most of the files in this game, quite frankly, or comes anywhere near just that. In- the insidiousness of finding out the true identity of Oliver and what's happened to him and that whole area. I've not done it. I have no idea who Oliver is. Oh, my to- God, you'll find out. Just in <laughs> Talking in general terms, is there another area in any other Resident Evil game that's as creepy? I'm sure it was quite tropey, but just so, so much thinking had gone into this and care and attention to what they were trying to create. And it was one of my favourite sections of any Resident Evil game. Uh, me and my son were watching it. And interestingly, this is the first Resident Evil game that him and his teenage friends have started playing after kind of turning their noses up and laughing at this series for the last 10 years. And I can hear that they're finding it one of the most frightening video games they've played. But yeah, that section is just fantastic. You know, the only one that I think I, I would compare it to, Paul, is the sequence in Revelations 2 with all the dolls in Alex's Yes. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. When you're going to meet Alex, definitely. Yeah. yeah. Well, you see that little girl, don't you? And you don't know what the hell that's going on. That's creepy. I mean, obviously, you find out later. When you first get that area and you get the telephone call and you can't get through that door to get into that area, I didn't work out what you needed. I, obviously, you needed an item to balance up the scale. But I didn't realise what it was or what we needed. And the only clue, you know, when you kind of like press pause and the kind of mission objective was to keep looking round. And so I just assumed it was nearby. And honestly, I spent ages, ages just looking round the um, the small kind of area, the upstairs of it. it took me a while to realise actually there's a lot more to do to then, you know, take the lantern off Marguerite. But yeah, it took me ages to work out what I'm supposed to be doing. I just assumed because Zoe phones up and she goes, it's round it round it somewhere. You keep looking for it. And I was like, OK. I went back to the mansion. I went, <laughs> where is is it? Where the fuck is it? You went everywhere you didn't think. No, that's when I came back. Then I heard Margaret, it's something scuttling on. I thought, ah, right, okay, I'm not done in this area yet. Okay, then I carried on, but yeah. You didn't look at what was balancing the other side no. of the scale <laughs> and, go, and go, oh, that looks like a lantern. <laughs> Who's got a lantern? No, no, I missed that bit. But it's all good, it's all good fun. Uh, <laughs> 
But that's the beauty of the game. It shouldn't be telegraphed. No, um, I was going to say, I think that's the one thing I didn't feel like. I mean, the phone calls are one thing. It's just enough prompting and hand-holding for people without being too blatant about it. I mean, in a lot of ways, the game is... This is not a, not a knock against it. It is reasonably linear. Like, you can still explore and yeah. take paths in your own direction and stuff, but it always still drives you in the right direction. And we've talked about it in the past, about how brilliant the, the design, especially of the original, was in that regard to having such an open mansion space, but one that always funneled you in direction. The idea of crafting that in a first-person game in a modern time is probably the closest you're going to get. Yeah. People don't appreciate things being too obtuse these days. Things still have to be pointed out and directed sometimes and so I think it's a good balance I think what I was saying to you guys when I was first did it I, I was quite disappointed with that kind of prologue bit until you open up in the mansion until you open up that big heavy clunky door it felt really linear uh, and I was like mm, this doesn't feel that great but yeah thankfully it, you'll promise me you'll promise me it opens up and yes it is linear technically but it doesn't feel linear because you can go where you like yes there's locked doors and whatnot but you can do it in your way even if you can't it feels like you can and that's where previous games have really failed uh, especially five especially five just awful but yeah the fact of the matter is is when i couldn't find the lantern or whatever i thought i needed i could go back to the beginning of the game if i wanted to and i pretty much did you know i could go back to that back door just to prove you can do it almost yeah yeah isn't that brilliant isn't that great that's what i really really enjoyed you know and of course i saw different things i picked up different items coming back i found the pot great stuff great stuff i wasn't overly keen on insects i felt that was a quite a weird thing it's a random it, thing that isn't really explained i think it mm. has something to do with the mold infecting plants and spreading throughout the house i'm assuming it's infecting like colonies of insects still doesn't really explain how I'm, marguerite can control them i'm guessing maybe her thing was that she was always the garden areas and the, and the yeah. greenhouse were always her areas in life like she was a keen gardener and so just being infected and being there all the time she kind of infected the sort of stuff that was in the environment again it's, it feels like a bit of a throwback to as we were talking about to the whole guardhouse and resident evil as well because obviously that thing was quite heavily on insects bees yes. spiders that sort of stuff yeah but then in daughters you know jack's trying to comfort her in the bathroom and straight away we've got insects going on hmm so yeah. it almost seems quite inbuilt within her that she's, you know... Perhaps it's... she's a Nazgul. <laughs> <laughs> Interestingly, though, we've, we've mentioned how like there's a sort of visual similarity between um, Revelations 2's dolls and the area with the D-series and that. So it's only fitting that the actual boss fight of Marguerite feels like an Alex Wesker version 2. Oh, exactly the same. With like, elongated limbs and climbing around and coming out of... Crawling you know, over things and... Yeah. Exits and vents and that. And I would say it was one of the best boss fights in the game, actually. But I will say it was really, really odd blasting a shotgun into the crotch area. Yeah. <laughs> it's kind of really weird. I don't really know what they were smoking at a Capcom that day when they designed <laughs> that boss fight. I found that boss fight absolutely infuriating on Madhouse mode. Oh, I've is... tried it yet. So difficult. I had to just because after when I saw that, you guys must have seen there was people doing like speed runs with the knife only, and then a guy did the knife only madhouse run. Massive props to that guy. <laughs> but I watched him take down the Marguerite fight with a knife, and I'm just like, he gets lucky. He gets lucky quite a few times, but man, that's some impressive gameplay. <laughs> mm. I think it was an inherently better boss fight than the 
Jack Boathouse oh, Chainsaw. It was oh. by far my favourite boss fight. So much better. I mean, almost would have worked better as the end boss. It was very um, comfortable with that whole kind of, you know, storing the insects in her genital regions, you know. <laughs> it's interesting. It reminded me of some concept art I've seen of a survival horror Kickstarter. You should check out the concept art. It's incredible. Project Ladybird. I don't know if you guys have seen that. Oh. But, uh, yeah, there's something very similar in that. But, uh, yeah, great. That was the, one of my favourite boss battles. I think the whole area was very good. There's a lot of backtracking to that area. Lots of exploration. But I was more than happy with all that backtracking. It was creepy. It was great. It's a good amount. It wasn't Code Veronica bad. <laughs> you, guys, you, you guys, yeah. honestly. Yeah. Ugh. Oh, come on, Ugh. even if you're a big Code Veronica fan, the amount of backtracking in that game was. There is a. <laughs> We've all just, just settled on that point, okay? Yeah, I was going to say that. The backtracking, I think, is a good balance. It's not excessive, but it just feels like a, a reasonable yes. amount as well. And, uh, of course, the first appearance of Evelyn. Yeah, like you said, George, that whole second floor of the house, when you put the lantern to balance the scales and get through the door, that that's probably one of the most effective sections of the entire game. Yeah. It's, it's so dark, and, it's, you know, it's cheap little things like the balls bouncing, and it really works. And part of the reason I'm so addicted to this series, and it harkens back to the first game, is the fine line, the draw between supernatural stuff and the real world science and conspiracy stuff like mm. in this game for example one minute you're going through this dark creepy house when you're getting hallucinations and visions of this little ghost girl and then the next minute you're trudging through a swamp and you can see military helicopters flying around and it brings in that whole conspiracy element and I love the blending of those two elements and I think this game did it really, really well. That's what I've really missed, because I know that this series, it's not a ghost story. Again, I think that was why one of the reasons why the Kamora build of RE4 was dumped, one of them, or the gameplay build, was because, you know, it was kind of too much, you know, too sort of ghost story. So I think it's really good when they use the hallucinations as almost as an excuse to get that in, because, yeah, that's when it works best for me. I, I like those elements that they lay over, mm. the kind of the military and the whole realism of it, that, that kind of supernatural feel, because that's where you get a lot of the tension and a lot of the atmosphere. See, I'm not usually... Uh, the hallucinogenic angle of Resident Evil 4 didn't really interest me, you know, in the early trailers. But despite that, I actually think the sequence with Jack and Zoe, when they talk to you, sort of posthumous, mm. and I think the hallucinations you have around the guardhouse while you're reliving the earlier moments of the game is some of the strongest story work they've done in the series. I think it's really impressive and it really surprised me how much I really was invested in those moments. I actually thought, in a way, it was really, really, really beautifully well done. And, yeah. and I, it really shocked me that I thought that. Did you get a continuation of that feeling, Sean, at the end, as Rombie says, when you find yourself back in the house, you'll have retracing yeah, the steps. because that's when you're going around it and you sort of imagine it or you're hallucinating like Mia running at you with the chainsaw. But there's just like a really nice musical tone that plays yes. through it. And yeah. it's, it's quite artistically well done. And... It was something I didn't expect the series would ever do, but now it's done it, I was like really impressed by it from a storytelling point of view. Yeah, I and really agree with all of that. Any other points anyone wants to raise about the outside caravan boat area? I just, when I was playing it, I was thinking, like, oh, Nick's finally got some of his outside areas. <laughs> oh, Rev 2 will never be topped. Now, where the hell are you? You know, never mind. We only need the head, and you've got it. And this is gonna help me and me, right? Hey, buddy! I thought you should know. I decided that Zoe needed a timeout. She and Mia are here with me. And they're keeping each other company. Just let them both go! 
What do you need them for? Nah, uh, uh, that's family business, Ethan, and not your concern, understand? <clears throat> now, if you want the head, feel free to come by any time and I'll give it to you. But only if you participate in a little, uh, activity I've put together just for you. What activity? Oh, 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 I know you're excited, but don't worry. It's not going anywhere. First step I need you to take, <laughs> partner is for you to take a peek inside the fridge in the trailer there. Fuck you! Oh, come on now. Don't be like that. You want to have some fun, don't you? Now, look in the fridge. So the third area, um, and this is where I feel we're going to have issues, gentlemen. We're going to have issues. Lucas's fun house and boat house mm. uh, part. Could I say I was one of the people that didn't do the necessary tape? That's hilarious. (laughs) (laughs) For for the podcast listeners, right, we had a moment where um, Nick got onto the the chat that we have going just to arrange these podcasts and that, and he complained about a trial and error aspect of the game, which he felt that it was ridiculous that the only way you could get out of Lucas's little fun house was effectively had to fail the fucker first and then yes. reload after being killed and then do it again properly. It's he, true. He, completely, he completely missed the VHS tape where the game gives you like the ability to do that for free. <laughs> but it's because true. he said, and I quote, I didn't bother with the VHSs. <laughs> I just, not only does it give you the answers for the thing, you can do it way faster by knowing them. You can skip big chunks of it. Like You can literally just go, cool, I need a candle. Cool, I need the passcode. Cool, I've got the valve. Cool, I'll put the candle in the cake. Throw the bomb through the wall, I'm done. Like, it's yeah. two Could, minutes, tops. I know, I know. Could Ignoring I, everything else. I'm, I'm just annoyed by the ending, is how you can get up. Cause, but if you're playing it without doing the VHS tip like I did, the thinking behind it is so good. It's a proper, proper puzzle. Getting the scope straight away, uh, you know, I picked up going, that bastard's dirty. And then I thought, I wonder, let's try it. And yet, lo and behold, I thought, right. And honestly, the amount of progression and satisfaction you had going through it. And then it was. And I was like, yes, it's going well. And then I was like, let's try the cooker. That lights up the candle. Great stuff. And then I got the gas pipe leaking. And then I got impaled by God knows what, because the gas explodes in your face or whatever it does. And I thought, this is going well. And then then you keep dying. And I was like, the bomb kept going off. And then gradually, over a period of time, you just work out, actually, I don't need to do that. I don't need to do that. I don't need to do that. And (laughs) it just took so long. You you can't allow, you know, the accelerant to leak over the floor to make the explosion even worse, can you? You can't, no. No, no, that's the one thing you have to avoid. Yeah. Without looking at the tape, how did you work out not to pull that out? He died and then had to keep reloading it to get it right. <laughs> keep trying. Keep trying until he got all the steps right. But the thing is, he complained about that as though it's a flaw in the game. <laughs> what, we were what? like, did you play the VHS tape? And he's like, no, I don't play the VHS <laughs> To be fair, though, like, is that's a, what they're there for. The dirty scope, what does that do, though? That allows you to see the symbols for the combination lock on the like stained glass window or whatever it is. Yeah. You've got to clean it by putting it under the water. Can I just ask, because I never tried it, I always, I always meant to go back, can you actually cheat the VHS? 
can you actually like you, you know you do the VHS, you get the information no, you need from it. No, can you it then go back into the VHS and cheat and try and skip it? No, no, you can't. What happens there then? It's different in that uh, you, if I remember correctly, it won't let you put the passcode in because he doesn't know it. Oh right, because oh, that's he hasn't seen then. the tape. So you have to always get the tattoo part, which means to do that you have to have un. It's set up so that you'd have to pull the thing out so that he burns to death. There's no that's quite clever. It. So they, they did think of that then. Yeah. But yeah, yes. as I said, when I was doing it, I had to die in order to get the passcode or something, you know, with a dummy thing tattooing it onto your arm, you know, cutting it up with a knife. You say that, yeah, it's my fault for not doing the VHS tape, but if you didn't do it, there's no way of ever knowing, because you can't get out again to go and do it again. So I was screwed either way. You no, know, you could, because when you reloaded, it wouldn't have started you back in the cage. It starts you outside of the cage. Yeah, 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 okay, yeah. Fair, yeah and it. so you could backtrack through the building up to use a VHS on one of the TVs. It wouldn't wouldn't be impossible. Yeah, yeah I suppose I could have done that, actually, yeah. I just thought, no, I'm not going to take my chance with a VHS tape. So. <laughs> I, I do have to admit that it's a flaw, because I do remember them trying to say that the VHS tapes were optional. I'm sure that was a comment made, that they were there... They they were important if you wanted to play them that you didn't and so people can go through and play the game without it and yet this one proves that you had to have at least seen that one I mean they obviously the whole consistency is that it makes things easier obviously it is a bit of an oversight I have to admit if that's the case so what you're saying Nick basically is you survived the mansion incident you survived Raccoon City you've killed Umbrella killed Wesker saved the world and then you couldn't be asked to watch a videotape and got blown up and killed by an exploding cake at least three times because I assumed that I could put myself this is the thing when I died the first time I thought oh I need the valve again I didn't get to the valve in time to turn the water on but when you do that it breaks it so the sprinkler system doesn't work I thought oh fuck what am I supposed to do now just keep dying each time and uh, yeah gradually from a methodical point of view it's really quite enjoyable to try and go for it one point time then realise but, but obviously infinitely frustrating as well yes, uh, yes. That's, that's your comments to us half an hour to an hour, God. I think. I was going to believe it'd be more to an hour at that rate. It's three, three or four runs without clues. Oh, that's good. Because you can get the passcode as well. Did you not have to do the whole other half of the funhouse either with the big fat moulded yeah, thing? Yeah, you still have to do that, yeah. So that was quite exciting, I thought, when you're kind of like trapped in that little bit and then all the lights come on. It's harder, yeah, it's harder in Madhouse. There's two of them. Oof. Oh, really? I don't know if I like that particular variant of moulded. It reminded me of Pluto from Dead Aim. Um, yes, like which just... reminds me of the, uh, I can't remember what the name of them are, but there's the big blob ones in Silent Hill 3 as well, mm. which pretty dates to them. They're, they're all very similar. If you're quick enough, you can kill that fat one before it has time to get out of the elevator in the barn. You have to do that in Madhouse. Taking on two of them is impossible because they almost basically tag team you by vomiting on you if they get an angle on you. So you have to use the neuro rounds to suspend them at least and then basically unload anything you can that's strong enough to at least just either take out one of them's legs or at least kill one of them so that you create some distance. It's, it's really hard. What did everyone think of Lucas? Brilliant twist on his character, I thought. I'm still really unclear about him because clearly from the files you find in his room, he's got some pretty sick and twisted tendencies already as a young man. Hmm. And yeah, it just didn't quite mesh with the rest of the family. And obviously Jack is very out of touch with his family that scene which is a beautiful scene that you see when they're like you know they're unaffected state you know none, none of us are bad not, not my boy lucas and you think hang on a minute ask oliver to comment on that <laughs> yeah 
Is he the boy up in the, in the attic? Yeah. Yes. Oh, I was waiting for him to come out. Is he in the VHS tape then? No, no. It's it's basically it's a clever twist with Lucas's character because obviously the bakers are the way they are because of Evelyn. But the twist with Lucas is he was always like that. He was always a bit unhinged. He had, yeah. He had a reputation for being a bad seed. And this file you find in his bedroom, he basically when he was a little child, this other kid was making fun two, of him. Two of them, I think. So he locked them in the attic uh, and left yeah. them to die. So that's the hints that Lucas isn't a psychopath because of Evelyn. He's a psychopath because he is a psychopath. He always has been. He just is. And then, of course, later on, when the reveal is that, well, he still has the powers, he's no longer under her control, you kind of go, he's complaining about having to clean up the mess, but obviously he's enjoying making these little traps and being... Because he keeps keeps saying everyone wants to go back to how things were, but he doesn't because he prefers it now. Yes, he gets his hand chopped off at the beginning. Oh, not again, all that shit. And and then in, in that first video, he's... Because all quite psychedelic, isn't it? With all the, all the lights, and he does he cut off his fingers, or he rips off his fingernails, or something like that. Yeah, and he's quite technically minded, isn't he, with all these traps and that? Because you've got like traps and bombs and gear and TVs, and he can examine the uh, the trophies in his bedroom, and he like comes second in like inventing competitions and electronics yeah, and things yeah. and stuff. So as we kind of carry on through the Lucas bit, we then get the big choice after. Well, you got you got Jack first, I suppose, and that. Boss fight. Yeah, so you, you get through the another outdoor area, which I really liked and wish there was slightly longer with the um the swamp walkways. Lots of, lots, the swamp walkways. Lots of, yeah, lots of moulded on that. Did anyone else feel like this final jack fight just sort of came out of nowhere and wasn't really needed? Yeah, yes, I didn't even know at first who he was because he actually had a face that looked more like Lucas and I didn't actually quite make what he was saying. I think he said something like, this is something about this is my house or when he burst through. And like, I totally agree, it was completely jarring. You don't see that development of that mutation. There's no kind of explanation in a sense. Did you get that? It was just something like, I thought I'd actually missed something. It was a lot of nonsense, to be honest. And it goes against what the series usually does in that like if the head or the body is destroyed, it tends to be the end of that person. You've never seen anyone regenerate from the fucking legs before. Yeah. But no. to be fair, like they've already set that up when Jack shoots himself and the head right in front of you at the garage thing, and obviously comes in, you can see part of his head's regrowing in front of you when he comes into the bathroom. I get um, that. That's fine because most of his body's still intact and there's still a bit of brain left there and that. But to actually regenerate from two legs, yes, his entire upper body I, explodes, doesn't it? I feel like it's fine given the evidence of how the controls made how basically the stuff regrows and expands like a traditional zombie and all that sort of stuff you had to understand no more brain activity and most of the creatures we've had have expected to have a brain but this is they're essentially puppets and the regeneration factors are really strong so I, I think I managed to skip over that and not feel too bad about that the way I see it is the I think it says in a file the infection is broke down into three separate stages the first one is like initial infection and this is where the mould spreads inside you and it absorbs the nutrients and grows inside your body this is what gives which you which obviously we see another file for Marguerite where her doctor's concerned about something growing in her. Yeah, exactly. This is what gives you the uh, regenerative abilities and Evelyn can ascertain some control over people who are really susceptible, but because it's only the early stages of infection resistance is possible and Evelyn's control is limited because the mould does not spread far enough across the body. This is highlighted in the daughter's DLC when you're in the main hall with Marguerite and she recovers just long enough to give Zoe the car keys and then later at the end of the DLC where they're all having breakfast the next day and they all appear back to normal. And obviously the files say the other symptoms include hallucination and 
visions of Eveline of no she's not actually there and the visions at first see a sort of desiring friendship and companionship but as time progresses demands become more and more extreme which leads to people self-harming and becoming violent towards others I think in the posthumous scene with Jack he describes it as like a gift where Eveline forces a way into your mind and you can't resist the urge to help people and the fire do what she wants yeah and the files particularly Marguerite's notebook the other symptoms are like ringing ears lack of sleep nausea and hearing noises and like you said Romby she goes to have an x-ray and the mould is present in her brain mm. and this represents the start of the middle stage of infection now this, this second stage means the infected subjects are completely in tune with Eveline which means they'll do her absolute bidding at all times and obey her orders which in this case relates to building a family which is why she captures people because she wants to add them to a family and um, each infected person assumes the role of a family member Marguerite becomes the mum which is evidenced by dialogue in the daughter's DLC because she refers to him as mummy Jack's obviously the father and Lucas the brother and Zoe the sister but by the time the proper game starts Mia is the mother and Ethan is the new father which means Jack and Marguerite are both now completely expendable and George when you said Jack's last appearance in the boathouse doesn't make sense that's because he's reached the final stage of infection where the mould has completely taken over all of his cells and he loses his human form and he just randomly mutates but what's important here is Eveline restricts everyone's infection to the second stage which keeps them all looking realistically human and this is why they're all obeying her orders and doing everything she wants but when Ethan replaces Jack as the father, Eveline abandons Jack and allows his infection to continue which allows the mould to take him over completely and he mutates likewise she lets Marguerite die in the greenhouse because Mia has replaced her as the mother and Eveline can't do the same to Lucas because we find out later on that um, the organisation that created her has given him some sort of serum that's reduced his infection back to the initial stage which means he keeps his regenerative powers like where he gets his hand cut off but is no longer under Eveline's mental control there's no game file is there john that actually have you broken that down in terms of what I let, even there's a file that explains that there's three parts to the infection so you've just kind of you've taken that and just from that you've assumed where each character fits in terms of their status for evelyn and their, their value to evelyn yeah because the mold spreads throughout the body and if it takes over all the cells in the body then you lose your human form and you mutate into a massive creature which is what jack does in the boathouse but obviously the bakers aren't like that which means evelyn is restricted their infection mm. to the middle stage which is the stage where she can assume complete control over all of them but what about Zoe then? but also what about Mia because she seems to almost suggest at various points that Mia is of no use to her anymore yet Mia never kind of reaches that stage of infection well Mia's sort of in and out of the process Evelyn had it imprinted into her that Mia was her mum whilst they were on the ship ah, yeah. so that's why she never attacks Mia but Zoe's a bit of a plot hole I seem to just think Zoe's just sort of kept out of her way and not pissed her off because I don't think Zoe gets attacked in the daughter's DLC. I know she sort of falls unconscious at the end, but Evelyn attacks Marguerite in the bathroom, then she attacks Jack, and then you see them drag Lucas away and infect him, but I don't think they ever actually do the same to Zoe. But she's infected, though. She's infected because she sees visions of Evelyn, but she doesn't seem to have the mould inside her. I don't know, because Mm. if if you choose to save Zoe, it doesn't work. No, <laughs> I don't know because she's clearly infected but at the same time she's not because she seems to have free will over what she's doing and she seems to realise that as long as I stay on the premises and don't try and leave I'll be alright. Maybe she just plays the maybe, sister maybe role she... very well. Yeah I was going to say maybe it's that and she has some sort of a certain level of natural resistance. Because hmm. she clearly lives in the caravan, doesn't of... she? 
And there's no mould anywhere near the caravan. Yes, yes we no. find her brasserie. She, I love how there's a stat on the Resident Evil network thing for the number of times that's been examined. <laughs> What's that, sorry? Zoe's bra. The stat, there's like all the breakdown of stats, like how many enemies, distance, all that sort of stuff that people have covered playing the game. And there's like the number of times it's been examined. Oh, I'll have a look at that, actually. Let's have a look at some of the stats now. But the notion of choice is, is interesting because this is something that we've not really had in a while, isn't it, actually having yes. to... So what do we assume is the canon ending? I assume it's one where Mia survives. I would yeah, say so. I would yeah. assume so too. Until sure. we told otherwise. Yeah. The Zoe choice was really disappointing for me. I don't know why, because she's barely in it. But I'm really warm to Zoe. I also wanted revenge on Mia for slicing my hand off. Yeah, I didn't really hesitate at all to give Zoe the serum straight away. So I was really disappointed when the game did nothing with it at all. You have the extra boss fight with Mia on the ship at the end. Yeah, but I, I wanted to see more of Zoe. And then you don't. Yeah, she's finally sort of introduced into the game full, you know, and you get to see her and interact with her, and then she's taken away just as quickly. Thank you. I can't believe you chose me. Mia's no good to anyone right now, but we might make it out of here in one piece. Listen. I want to know what all this is about, starting with Mia. Mia came here with Evelyn. That's how it started. Evelyn. The kid. I knew Mia was hiding something. That. There's the boat that Mia came with Evelyn on. Oh, what the... They came on that. Let's go take a look. I'm not going back there. I gotta know what Mia was up to. What the hell was that? It's her. Evelyn doesn't want us to leave. <gasps> no, no, Evie, please, Zoe? Evie. Zoe. Zoe. moves us quite nicely onto the ship. We like ships in Resident Evil. It's now very much a staple. What I found interesting with the ship was that by this point in the game, you've accumulated quite a lot of weapons. You've got a good amount of ammo and you feel confident. And I do feel it was a bit of a cheap trick because I I was thinking, how are they going to carry on with this? Because I'm quite loaded up here now. I don't feel as vulnerable as I did before. I felt it was quite cheap just to basically start it again. And again, I I was thinking about Resident Evil 2 Remake and that kind of thing. Is is this the only way they could keep it, you know, on that same kind of level of survival horror by just removing everything, making you start again? That was a concern I had when I first started playing the ship. Although I loved the ship, I thought it was great. It would have been the perfect time to introduce a new enemy, you know, something like yes. the equivalent of the Hunter. And I think it was disappointing to just have the ship be full of more moulded. Yeah. I, I enjoyed the boat section for what it was, the ship, mm. but it's not lost on me that the last... We've had one in four, five, Revelations, six, 
seven now. The last sort of four or five core games have all had an extension or variation of a fucking boat in it. Yeah. Dead Aim. Yeah. Dead Aim as well, sorry, yeah. And all they amount to is just a series of grey corridors. Yeah, I agree with you Headboards. there. But I thought this was unique because it was shipwrecked in the middle of a swamp. I thought it was quite creepy, especially when you could see the ruined hull and you could actually see the outside yes. areas and look across the swamp. Yeah, and one of the things I got from that was just a huge expanse of space. It really felt, I mean, just like another generation of video game, but it just really felt to me like I really got a sense of how huge that area was and how huge that ship was and just the intensity of, of that just washing up on, on the shore like that. Yeah, and I think the graphics are at the strongest here as well because I think the graphics are very yes. hit and miss in this game. Some of the textures are really, yeah. really poor yeah. and others Even look some... really, really good, but I think the lighting in particular on the ship especially when you can see like the, the leaves and the yeah. grass growing inside. It's some of the best yeah. areas. I found a lot of the water so quite poor. Right at the beginning of the game, there's just something going on with some of the puddles. And I was like, what the fuck's going on there? Yeah, it was very, very weird. Me, me is, I mean, I agree with Batman. Parts of this game are some of the most beautiful in the series. The lighting is fantastic. They get it so well, like Sean was saying. I remember, I think, you know, you go into areas and you just don't want to go in there. But Mia's hair for yes. me was just really off and, and what I thought was a shame the very first shot of Mia when she's sort of giving that love message to Ethan and she's got like this really fat neck that doesn't really work uh, but some yeah, of those I, I are know, yeah some of it was quite hit and miss but the whole boat section I just wanted to say I thoroughly enjoyed as a Dead Aim fan I think it's a yes. great place to put survival horror and I know people have said the game kind of feels a lot more linear there and almost like Capcom were deciding to maybe throw in a bit more of a combat orientated area I really really enjoyed some of the boat sections I thought they were great and kept up that strong atmosphere I'm, I'm going to go back to the graphics thing and say the other lighting really stunning especially this thing it's either moonlight or some sort of cash light coming through the portholes mm. it's quite impressive and also in, in the tape the section when you get through the just right before the tape ends with the pre-rendered cutscene but you walk through that door and all the mold spreads along the corridor and goes yes. around the corner yeah, that's good. It was absolutely amazing. The first time when I walked in there, I went, wow. It's something that not a lot of games do very often. Like, I've seen other games do it, but when you do it right, it looks really impressive, and that was really, really well done. And I would have loved to have seen more of that, perhaps, throughout the game, now knowing that they could have done it. So I would like to have seen more. I mean, it was quite Alien-esque, wasn't it? Did you like fans of Alien? Did you like that idea with the mould that sort of matching the mould that was growing around the, the corridors, you know, in, in the basement? I was just quickly going back to that area, but the way that it kind of it developed and grew out of the the wall. Yeah. I love that. It was interesting looking where it had obviously caught all the guys on the ship. Like you're coming up the stairwell and there's literally in the middle of the stairwell it's almost like a statue now but it's like this mould of like three or four guys like scrambling in the air trying to get away from it. Yeah. And they're just caught there perfectly. And it was amazing. There's heaps of that around the place and I just really like that. And the guy hidden in the locker, you open the locker and there's the guy who is stuck inside and yeah. You actually use the corpse's hand to open the drawer. The drawer yeah. opens by pulling the dead corpse's arm across. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. I think George is right. It's certainly a lot more linear than the other parts of the game. But I did like, you still had a choice, didn't you? Your flaws. Uh, when you're yes. when you're stuck in the lift and that whole area I thought was quite good and you noticed that you needed the captain's key yeah there's extra like you don't have to unlock the locker to get the grenade launcher if you don't want it no. um, or if you don't have the time or the health and you get that eventually it just turns up at the if you don't get it and you turn up at the um, the next section at the start of the mines it's just there which mm. just gives you the opportunity to pick it up but I like the ship I liked the flashback it was easily the best 
yeah, VHS type, you know, whatever you want to call it. The question is, and there's been a lot of debate on the PU forums about who attacked the ship, how much damage was done, how much that chappy... It's the question as to whose ship it is. Yep, it's just a regular tanker, I think. Yeah, they've obviously sub-hired it. I mean, who Evelyn and who this project has been now being looked after in 2015 or 2014, whenever it was. That's still not even cl- entirely no. clear. The first person to say a certain game, and I think I'm just going to hang up. I don't think the ship was attacked. I think it was just a normally functioning ship, and Mia and Alan and Evelyn have literally just hitched Alan. a lift. Yes, I think that's yeah. I don't think anybody attacked the ship because the ram it down our throats through the files, the dialogue, and especially the news report and the DLC that it's hurricane season and it's a storm, and it was a combination of the storm and Evelyn destroying the ship. I don't think anybody physically attacked yep. it because there's no evidence yep. of that. But Alan takes personal nah. blame. I was going to ask, what's the significance when he says it's my fault? And she says, I know it is, but they don't allude to what he actually did. I was wondering whether she had got into his mind and had kind of in some way infected him and then persuaded him and influenced him to free her. I figured that's the case since he's been injured. Yeah. That she's injured him and started to control him, possibly. It's basically just to ram home the point that he's made a mistake and she's got loose. Mm. The whole point of them being on that ship was to move her because if they'd left her where she was, the Thought Arrival organisation was going to steal her. But there's no evidence to say that the ship was under attack at that particular time. No, no. So do we have any inkling whatsoever which organisation this project is from, other than the history of it that we know? As soon as I finished the game, I thought there's definitely two organisations involved. There's the company that made Evelyn, and there's also the, well, what's now known as the Umbrella Corporation again, annoyingly. (laughs) So we've got an organisation without a name that has a sub-organisation which we did know as HCF, which is referenced. This is what I think. I can't prove it because it's just my theory, but we know from the files the project began in 2000. It was an unknown organisation. I'm not going to call them Tensu because that's just gibberish. That's just gibberish that's written on the box. I can't understand how that spread so far in the first place. So we don't know the name for this organisation. They were working in collusion with HCF, which is otherwise known as Umbrella's rival company. It's my theory that the rival company have evolved into whatever the organisation is depicted in Umbrella Corps, which was running the experiment, now known as the Umbrella Corporation again. Basically, the organisation that created Evelyn and HCF were working together, then at some point HCF left the project, meaning Evelyn was just in charge of this one unnamed organisation. And I think the rival company has evolved into this umbrella corporation, and I think this goes back to a plot point from Resident Evil 4, which was Albert Wesker's original idea of resurrecting Umbrella, or at least forming a new umbrella corporation in his own image. And Wesker's goals might have changed over time because of his meeting with Spencer and the influence of the Wesker children thing and Uroboros and all that but we've never really been given a definitive answer as to what became of the rival company now I reckon that work continued behind the scenes after Wesker joined Tricell and died to forge a new umbrella out of this rival company and this ties in neatly with Umbrella Corps and explains how the organisation running the experiment in that has access to highly classified and little known umbrella installations, extensive knowledge of the Antarctic base and Alexia Hunk Raccoon City and all that and obviously they talk about the village from RE4 
before. So the rival company is now essentially this new umbrella corporation. But unlike the old umbrella, they're not a legitimate company that trades on the stock market. They develop prototype weaponry and sell them to various other pharmaceutical companies. They're like an evil version of the global pharmaceutical consortium in my eyes. In Umbrella Corps, we see them develop the zombie jammer and Heavenly Island explains that the zombie jammer was purchased by this Shengya Pharmaceuticals who give it to their operatives. So when they raid the island in um, Heavenly Island and destroy all the zombies, you can see them with the zombie jammer. And the leader of this new Umbrella Corporation is not a Wesker clone because that's just fucking stupid. It's just... (laughs) (laughs) It's literally... It's it's just a former associate of Wesker's and likely, you know, someone he worked with closely. And the Albert 01 Samurai Edge anti-bioweapon or whatever it was called is just made in honour of their organisation's now dead founder. That's all I see it as. It is admittedly a bit weird that it has the stars engraving on it, I have to admit. (laughs) (laughs) I think that's just more of an Easter egg for us, I'm sure. But to cut a long story short, I think this new Umbrella Corporation, whatever it is, it's written on the helicopter, that is what the rival company from Code Veronica and Resident Evil 2 has evolved into. And they're looking to steal Evelyn back from the organisation that originally created her. Continue having all their control of all these information and bioweapons and... That makes sense. In a previous podcast, we've mentioned, like, you know, unfinished plot threads and that. So, John, you know, you must have been so ecstatic when HDF was written in a a file. Oh, brilliant moment. You know, this is, like, one of the series' greatest mysteries, which is the rival company, and I can't believe they're actually going back to it. It's one of those things that I never thought we would be here. In the same way, I never thought Revelations 2 was going to clear up the Alex Wesker angle. I thought that was another one that was gone forever. We've gone way back, and, like, I actually just sat and stared at the screen when HCF was written on it and I was like have we really gone there? Have we? I know. You just know they're going to fuck it up but... (laughs) they don't don't tend to fuck it up when they actually put the effort in we've said before the story is fairly robust and watertight when they do it look at what Five did but they don't half like fucking with you though (laughs) Umbrella's biggest rivals are now officially called the Umbrella Corporation it's just (laughs) yeah yeah yeah, they've taken their place. Like, I totally would have understood if it comes out you know, later that they'd bought all their assets in the brand and basically had taken it off it as a public company and turned it into an underground organisation just with the same equipment and stuff. But that time is well and truly passed to be able to make that work as a plot. Like, yeah. the organisation's been gone for, like, 13, 14 years at this stage. So The only thing I say is it was only point. I mean, there's been so many organisations since Umbrella left. You know, could it have not been Tricer? I know they got rid of Tricer. You know, could it have not been Neo Umbrella? Could it have not been... I think this is part of the problem, is that they realised originally they had a really great villainous organisation in the Umbrella Corporation. Like, there was a lot to it that they really never touched on, and then this axing at the start of Resident Evil 4, yeah. where they just went, oh, well, and it collapsed. Hmm. And <laughs> it never got it to come up, and, and Chris Redfield it never got to take them down. And, you know, I think they realised, oh, shit, that was actually a missed opportunity. And, and all these new organisations have never really filled that void and have only muddied the water even more. Shouldn't so you be calm, is... ladies and gentlemen? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was partly his series to, to do that. I don't begrudge the decision when he realised that it needed to move forward. At the time, yeah, I was pissed off. I was totally like, what the fuck? Like, you just got rid of Umbrella like that? Like, in a two-paragraph... 
text opening with a logo crumbling away. Awesome. I think, I think um, one of the biggest shames with the Umbrella Core logo. Umbrella Core. Look how we're talking about that now. Mm. Um, <laughs> I think it was a shame that they um, did the big reveal on the helicopter in the fucking beginning hour demo. Yeah. I think in hindsight now that kind of spoiled the big end of game reveal. What's really funny is the uh, logo in the version of the picture that you find in the later part of the final game is harder to see than the one in the demo. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah but they just used that one originally and mm. then swapped it out the other way around so that the clear one in near the end of the game it totally would have made sense that's the funniest part for me about that you know if we'd not had that photograph in the beginning hour demo when you get that massive end of game reveal the umbrella core logo mm. on the side of the helicopter would have been a lot better mm. but because we'd mm. done a lot of analyzing and john had got that blown up picture which showed it even had like the crest around it we all knew what it was like six months ago so you were sort of waiting for a reveal that you already knew about in the ending if you know what I mean Nick wouldn't have if we hadn't told him like, he would be like what? because <laughs> he played a demo Nick skips the photographs we, we, we I love wrote. all these theories I love all these I, I absolutely adore all these theories that just because the logo in on the final helicopter is blue it represents a happier and nicer oh, corporation oh god if it's colours it might just be branches all of a sudden like the BSAA is you know like yeah, different colour logo meets America another one is Europe you know it could easily be that Alpha-1, this is Bravo-1. Do you read? This is Alpha-1. Report. Did you find anything? A thorough search of the Baker property revealed zero survivors. Repeat, zero survivors. We did find evidence of a skirmish. Evelyn? Negative. However, we did find several encrypted messages from the Baker's son, Lucas, to an unknown third party. You can probably guess who that was. That's just great. We've had reports using the abandoned mine south of the property. I'm gonna go have a look. Roger that. We'll meet you at those coordinates. If you encounter Evelyn, orders are shoot to kill. Repeat, shoot to kill. The final area is the salt mines. I like the idea of mines. Creepy. But it was a bit sterile. Hmm. Another throwback to Revelations 2, it felt like. You've had some very interesting locales. Yeah. And then all of a sudden it's like, ah, it's a mine. And then when you find out it's like the last major area of the game, especially later on, you're like, ah, because I thought it was just going to lead to another part of the plantation that we hadn't seen. I thought labs made the obvious. I know there was labs, but... It's a shame. It didn't really need to be there. Almost, it was like stuck on at the end. And I agree with Rombie. It was very underwhelming. Almost, you would have preferred to have had the other stronger areas extended, particularly the central hub of the main house area. And just not to have had these mind it didn't really make any sense to me and really started to almost fall apart the narrative towards the end in that part could i ask whose labs were they i think they belong to eveline's creators i think what's happened is when the ships crashed it's obviously taken them some time to find the ship and if you read the newspaper reports on the end credits of the game there's a like a little text file you can read about eveline and it basically says if she doesn't receive a treatment she obviously ages more rapidly but she becomes insane and basically goes out of complete control and if she goes without treatment for six months I think it is she becomes far too dangerous to handle so that for me explains why the organisation just haven't gone straight into the Baker farm and snatched her instead what they've done is they've approached Lucas and cured him in exchange for information and they've just sort of observed her because she's now in a secure family environment which is what she wanted and I think they're just observing her from these mines and Lucas is keeping in contact with them telling them 
what's going on. And then, obviously, at some point, the Umbrella Corporation have come sniffing round. Um, Which explains the photo that they've taken with the, you know, when they're flying around. Yeah, they're watching us. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And then the Umbrella Corporation have done a search of the grounds during the game, and you hear them over the radio saying they found Lucas's encrypted emails, which is the messages you find on the laptop computer in the mines. And hopefully, the Not a Hero DLC will hopefully finish that aspect of the story off. I was going to say, they make a reference, I think, on that radio call about cleaning up a. Is it cleaning up an island or something? Or am I confused about that? Something else that they've done? Am I mixing this up? Yeah, I don't think something? so. I think they just cleaning say. Up something. I think they just say they've done a search of the grounds and they've found evidence of, like, uh, okay. a fight, but they've not found any survivors. But they obviously know about Eveline because they say if they find Eveline, orders her to shoot on sight. So the end part is, you know, is quite chaotic when you approach Eveline. But it, this is all hallucinations, of course, isn't it? Yeah. You can tell because the house is tidy again, like a bit more organised and like mm. not the same entirely as you last left it. So how? Um, which obviously you see the difference. Yeah. So my question is, when you kind of fight Eveline, well, not fight in, in the mines, how are they moulded? They just suddenly kind of appear. She controls them. It's made yeah. clear that like she vomits up the substance which creates them which, yeah, which where is she... from the tape on the ship yeah yeah but where is she vomiting up from if she's back in the house oh probably all over the place it seems I don't, I don't know maybe she's been down there it's yeah. it's not really made clear they just kind of appear that section is also a real pain on Madhouse you got to try and separate as many of the enemies off from one another and kind of get them to like line up in a row and because block the... as much as you can and there's about three or four of the big fat ones too it's really really hard because the game implies that you know because you're not quite sure it's a hallucination it kind of suggests that she's there and she's there just kind of almost spawning them but then it when it's revealed that that's all been hallucination i, I just wondered how are they spawning like this and... it does get into dangerous territory because then you start to go how much of this has actually happened is the whole thing in a hallucination like <laughs> you can start to go down that tangent i don't think it is the case i think it's obvious near the end of the game her hallucinations and her appearances become more frequent as in that she's getting further and further access to ethan to try and take oh, control okay. of them i think that's just the, the obviousness of it I think that's all it is really I think perhaps you're looking too far into just the fact that you needed a bunch of enemies in the last area spores travel mold you know yeah. it could be in the water and the mines think of them as like the leech zombies in Resident Evil Zero because they're under the control of the Queen Leech the same way the molded are under yeah. Eveline's control she's obviously been around the estate vomiting up all this shit and it's spread around and the molded I think they basically just act as like drones and bodyguards towards her no that's, that's a good way of thinking about it and While we... we're just um, on top of the moulded, probably for one of the last times, clearly tell this is uh, the director of Revelations because yes. they are just a different skin dudes, aren't they? Yeah. Let's be honest. One of them yes, even yes. looks identical with the sort of larger appendage on the arm. Yeah, the one in Revelations that shoots at you. Yeah, it's them. nearly the same design, uh, which is not a problem because the ooze were always a creepy, creepy monster, which were actually enhanced a lot in the HD versions. The ooze didn't have the teeth, though, did they? No, they the teeth were like a great addition. I mean, as an enemy, I think the moulded are very nightmarish you know if you saw one in real life it, it would ruin you <laughs> yeah to me it's like a combination of the ooze and like maybe like the head of a regenerator or something like that you know the yeah. big open mouth it doesn't spread nearly as much but it definitely bites and yeah a very simple but very sensible design I just as was being mentioned before I'm talking about the idea of having at least one more tight perhaps when the ship yeah that was perhaps a little bit stronger it just shows though this has got a decent enough storyline behind it and compare it to four you know as much as the regenerators and 
Iron Maidens in 4 were good. There's no explanation as to how they came about. At least in this, you've kind of got a supernatural element. It's just that, you know, she kind of pukes it up and it, they just kind of change. The regenerators were purposely created in those labs with Las Plagas, as was El Gigante. And there's just absolutely no thought went into it other than, oh, let's have a big cave troll. Let's have a creepy thing that goes, <laughs> you know, this is what I hate. <laughs> this is what I hate about 4 I've still never got over it just how these things came about and you know 6 is just as bad isn't it well I'm 5 with the um, what the fuck's it called the Des- trolling 5 I mean where the Des- fuck does that come from really well exactly it- I mean at least with 5 they decided to expand it with a type 2 type 3 that kind of gives some explanation as to how these things came about well, I, mean, I think this- they had to really at that point <laughs> 6 had some good things with the leprosita or whatever it's called uh, you know that was fine and then they just go fuck it all up with the bloody dinosaur or Derek. The other part of it is if you looked over those notes, the ones that were on the free Resident Evil Net thing about all the character designs, a lot of it obviously originated from the idea that it's like we need like several different types of enemies and the enemies just came first and the thoughts behind how those enemies existed came second and I kind of feel that that was probably the case with Resident Evil 4 as well. It was just like, yeah, absolutely. we need a large monster here, something creepy here. you know. And it's like, like the Del Largo in 4. Fine, it's a salamander that's infected with Las Plagas. That's all it needed. That's the thing. I think what we've come from is a background of earlier games where most of the creatures were fantastical but reasonably explained. They had at least some sort of either insect, you know, animal background or an explanation as to how they were developed or, you know, you didn't know exactly what they were but you saw the science kind of behind it. And this is the most refreshing thing about Seven, I think, is that we've gone from the last number title, which, like you say, had uh, C-virus T-Rexes and 50s story high flies that we need to you know rocket launches for and Mazda MX-5 high speed chases across Chinese freeways to skulking around a spooky cobwebbed house with a shotgun Exactly. Even the fantastical creatures in this game, i.e. the moulded, you know, there's a good enough explanation. Mm. And they've clearly put a lot of thought into the bakers as well, with this particular fungus infection, whatever, to explain it. And that's, that's all it took. You know, oh. we're not questioning necessarily why a fat moulded was different to the other moulded. We were in other games. So it's good points to RE7. That's another thing I like, though, the fact that this whole game is built around a singular bioweapon rather than another virus and another yes. viral outbreak. So it's interesting that an early interview said it was a new virus, didn't it? And mm. it didn't turn out to be. It looked like a translation problem. Mm, uh, don't worry. What's the virus called in Vendetta? Oh, the trigger virus. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> mm. I don't think we've talked about Vendetta on a podcast, have we? No. Not yet, thank you, Christ. Oh. <laughs> not in the new trailer, no, no. Wow. No, 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 we're not doing news. We can't. We're not ending on a low point. Okay. <laughs> so salt mines were kind of slightly different. We like the labs. I tell you what, just suddenly appearing back in the... Um, in the plantation. I totally forgot about that door. I just want to stop it. Can I just ask, because I've got to know from, from long-time series fans, like, ask everyone individually, like, what was your initial reaction upon seeing HCF? Because oh. literally, I just sat and stared. Am I actually reading this? Because at this point in the game, I was a little bit frustrated that it hadn't really thrown back to the previous series it felt very standalone at this point more so yeah. than other sort of more standalone titles and then there were the three letters HCF and it was like I'm going to read it again because I'm not sure yeah. Yeah. I did this... yeah, I read the file over and yeah. over again <laughs> I just sat there dumbfounded. I did the same thing. I was reading it and it was just like 2000 and then an HCF and a, wait, wait, HCF? Hang on, yeah. remember reading it. 2000 and 
What the hell? Yeah, I mean, I actually almost had to take like a double take in terms of when was the last time that we saw those initials. And I mean, I remember reading about them. That was sort of Wesker's security force. And we were discussing that in terms of the fog build for Resident Evil 4. And and, I mean, when was the last time we heard of them? The only canon time was Code Veronica, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah. And were they sort of Wesker's private security force? Or were they part of the organization he was then working with? I always assumed they were the rival company. USS force like hunks yes definitely I've assumed the same just based on what the hive or host capture force title entails it sounds like a a team that's there to capture viral hosts or anything to do with that sort of area it would make sense but it canonised um, to an extent the um, Survivor 2 files because that's where HCF is directly referenced. Because in Code Veronica, yeah, it's referenced on the character model on, of Wesker, isn't it? And, and, yeah, it's on, you know, on his back. Yeah. And this is the problem with this fucking series: is that it pulls these tricks out of the bag and it makes you think it's it's all okay. Mm. <laughs> it's like an arm round your shoulder, isn't it? Saying, yeah. "Come on, come on." And then the next Umbrella Corpse comes out, and you're like, "What the?" F- am yeah. I- yeah. It does mean, if you think about it, it means at some point during development of this game, someone has played Survivor 2 or read files from Survivor 2. Or even just went through artwork. I mean, we know that the HCF thing was on Wesker's artwork, that there yeah. was obviously a plan one point prior to Resident Evil 4, maybe, where there had been an outline of where they were going to originally go with it, that it was scrapped and someone's gone and picked that up and said, there might be parts of this that we can still use, or someone who's on the development team was like, yeah, we, we never really finished that story. Or It doesn't necessarily mean it's just because someone's picked it up. It may actually mean that someone there remembers and cares. Yeah, because there has been talk about this game actually has used some unused ideas from a couple of the four builds hasn't it well yeah, it's got that feel with the hallucination element as well hasn't it so but yes going on to that then the guest house well yeah it was I totally forgot about that door in the plantation to suddenly appear back there assume that works geographically we're not talking about another magic elevator type situation you don't know where the guest house is in relation yes, to you the do. residence do you yeah, because at the start of the game, when you come up to the gate at the start... You're oh, of course you do, yeah. Yeah, that's right, yeah. yeah. Apologise. Yeah, yeah, you're in front of where the caravan and all that is, that's the fence in front of you, so it's essentially right around the back of the plantation. But I would guess it would be behind... Be no, behind Lucas's Yeah, now, no, it but... does. Yeah, so it'd be the opposite side away from the boathouse direction, so around behind that. Mm. So I'd say it can work. I have to be honest, I thought the finale was probably the weakest part of the game. Mm. You see, I agree in terms of the boss fight, but I think the build-up was fabulous. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The build up was wonderful. I mean, without that wonderful build up, the boss fight would have been underwhelming to the point Does of. I mean, I just can't daddy? get my head around the people responsible for this entire game and everything yeah. that we've talked about that's been so fantastic. Can then just sit back and now think, job done. You know, let's sign off that as the signature you. boss battle for this game. It, it was just appalling. Yeah, I like the reveal of Evelyn being the you know the old wheelchair lady. I thought that was nice. That was wonderful. It tells my, you at the beginning of the game my, as well, doesn't it, with the photo? Yeah, it does. It's yeah. just too much. It's a shame, isn't it? I thought it was just too much blatantly, you know, telling you exactly who it was if you hadn't already guessed. But then again, I, I think that's the strength. I hadn't of guessed the it. I thought it was masterful. When yeah, I picked I, up the photo again at the end of the game, I thought, yeah, bastards. <laughs> And, you know, they got separate voice actress in just to do that one line. I only just kind of bumped into that information the other day. I thought that was quite interesting because it was a great line and really beautifully 
sad. The only thing that was missing for me that really would have probably sold the whole thing is if she struck up hallucinations of the other members of the Baker family. Mm. Like, I really yeah, think that would have just driven that point a little bit further home. Yeah, like, that would have worked, them to, yeah. Much like Mare does, like, just appearing and, and constantly harassing you. I did think it was, it it been was masterful, masterful storytelling, though, at that point. And like we said, the sequence where Jack talks to you actually humanises one of the most sort of vile characters in the game. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you know, and I actually felt really sorry for them. And daughters build on that even more yes. by showing them as a nice family. I've been interested. So I haven't played daughters. I just want to say I'm really keen to play it now because Sean said some really positive things about it throughout. Da- daughters is been, fabulous. I've, all I've been aware of is just a few people in the community complaining that the DLC is completely non-canon. Daughters depicts the night everyone <laughs> arrives at the mansion. It's just the stuff with traps and all that sort of stuff that doesn't fit in a time frame and obviously never is intended yeah. to. It's just but then a, that's, that, it's that's just a mini the same game. sort of thing that I say with the fourth survivor in Res 2. The actual event of Hunk taking the G virus out of the station is the canon event in the in the way that you know the cutscenes in Daughters is the canon event. It's just the the gameplay mechanics around the house you just tend to ignore. Yeah, yeah. I would say it's much the same way that we could say that Clancy would have been terrorised and and no doubt we see his demise. But the depiction that we see in the DLC obviously just goes that one step beyond to kind of explain that idea more. But it's not correct to timeline, but it obviously is true in, res- in what he was probably put through. I had a slight affiliation to the end boss, although I thought it was pretty horrendous. It did remind me of Morpheus from Dead Aim. You see, it reminded me of Carla from Six. Yeah. Oh, I never did that. So oh. I would It's just because a head and a blob of. Um, that's that's what old Carla becomes in at the end. Of oh, six. is it? Oh, I couldn't stomach going on with that game. So. <laughs> but yeah, oh, okay. massively underwhelming. Why isn't it a rocket launcher at the end as well? Come on, fuck's sake. Carla. Yeah, they they'd had so many other references in the you know homages in the game. And the anti bio. Not... I mean, what is it? Is it like a handheld? Um, what's the weapon? Dead aim. Charged particle rifle. <laughs> is it basically a handgun version of that then? I was gonna say I think it's just a weapon version of the serum style thing synthesized properly them stronger doses to continue to shoot it seems to have the same response on death like they kind of do that crystallization and calcifies that doesn't it calcifies it yeah yes yes I'm Redfield I'm glad we found you the fuck took you guys so long? You know, we come to the, what most people have been talking about. <laughs> the ending. Everybody, because it's going to be fun. <laughs> <laughs> so we are rescued by Umbrella Corporation helicopter. Not in dispute. We're rescued by someone identifying themselves as Redfield. Is this Chris Redfield? Discuss. Yes. Well, the credits say no, of his course, full name is Chris Redfield. He uses Chris's uh, Japanese voice actor as well. I will say the most recently released image of Not a Hero does look a lot more like him. Can we just be clear, at what age would he be in the timeline at this stage? He would be 43 years old. And he was going grey in Resident Evil 6. And looks very different from his Vendetta model. Well, his Vendetta model looks different than most of his other versions anyway. To be honest, I'm going to level with the character model thing. I'm not entirely on board with that theory. Because Barry, like it or not, is dramatically changed from his remake appearance to... Yeah, he is. But if you you see a picture of Barry from Revelations 2, he might look different. But you still recognise him as Barry. And the same with Jill in Revelations with a new face and a lips. But even if you saw that second image from Not a Hero, the one you said 
always looks more like Chris. If you didn't know the context behind the character and you hadn't seen the yeah. end to this game... I would, would say give... it was more Bruce McGiven. Yeah, nobody. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> not a single person on any forum would look at that picture and say, that's Chris Redfield. Nobody would. I mean, I thought that when the initial leaked pictures of uh, the blonde girl in Five, I was certain it was Sherry. The only thing that plays against it for me is this whole uh, photogrammetry actors thing, that obviously all of the characters are based on actual people and their look, and so I'm wondering if this is supposed to be Chris, just putting it out there, that the look changed is only because they've cast an actor that they felt looked at least enough like him, but haven't given it quite enough thought. That's my only other potential thought, if it turns out to be true. I don't think it is. I think the hair colour is... And if so, why? The hair colour is important. I think Vendetta releasing concurrently with it, where you have a very traditional-looking Chris, works against it as well. And I almost think that's deliberate. I can understand the photogemetry argument, but I just think because Chris has got such a recognisable look, I do think they would have... They would have changed it. Yeah, I think they would have changed that particular one to make it look like his other appearances. I just think it's someone assuming his identity for story purposes. I think it's as simple Same as here. that. Um, and we've got to remember who he's fighting for here, the Umbrella Corporation. Would Chris really join? Well, you know, he's it. a BSAA agent. Would he be fighting, they're suddenly working for someone, even if they're a goodies? Well, like Six was the about the deconstruction of Chris. They're not going to do it again. The only reason he would be there otherwise, if it was actually him, would be like an undercover agency, you know, kind of requirements working for the BSAA, but infiltrating to see what this organisation's up to. But if he did, why would he use his own name? That, that wouldn't exactly, yeah. work. And there's never been a moment in the series Chris has introduced himself as just Redfield. He's yeah. that much of a guy, he always uses his full name. I think that's deliberate as well. This DLC is, I mean, Capcom have said it's only going to be short. It's only going to take about an hour. You're obviously going to be chasing down Lucas and doing whatever it is else you're doing. There is no time to explain such a massive plot twist with the main character. You know, we're talking about a DLC that's going to take about an hour to complete. There'll probably be seven or eight files to get. How can you possibly explain this massive change in Chris's character in those circumstances? Um, I just, I don't think you can do no, it. No, I suspect more of it, if there's going to be files and stuff, it's more going to be explaining the side with Lucas and Ex- exactly. the, and what's been going on, considering its location's probably going to be there. It, it doesn't... But we've got more story you know, DLC coming, coming up, though, haven't we? Yeah. There's, there there's, is a third wave one, of DLC coming. We don't know what it is, but it's unlikely to be more of what's already been released, which was seems to be the two packs they'd originally planned before they announced more, because there's no more space on the menus. The menus are pre-set up to have those bits added, and they don't have the, anything more to add. Uh, there, was, so. there was a NeoGAF post where someone had said like the third DLC is going to be huge and comparable to the length of what Separate Ways was to fall. Apparently it's not going to come out till near Christmas because we've still got loads of development work to do on it. Yeah, and it involves entirely new areas not yeah. seen in the main game. Yeah. Oh, okay. That's probably why it's free. DLCs are supposed to tie people over when it comes out. But I think the thing that it's free as well, you know, I've seen some complaints, you know, the fact that it's DLC, that story, but the fact that it's free, what they've done is, and I said this on the forum not so long ago, is that they're sort of continuing the idea that they had in Revelations 2, and that they, they throw you a plot point here or there, and then they'll actually let the community able to to discuss and digest it and and see what's happening and then they'll release the free follow-up later Mm -hmm. which will reveal Redfield's identity and I think it's, it's not a bad thing that they're actually sort of provoking discussion like this. No, hmm. people just get pissy because they think that they're entitled to have the answers immediately and they don't want to wait. Then they're like, oh, they already know, they've already got it done, they already know, they're not going to, you know, 
it's just that that's the only reason why they don't want to have that discussion it's just a shame it, as you'll all know listening you know some of the forums are getting a bit out of hand with the theories so can i just question if it's not redfield and which i just think is completely nonsensical but the problem is for me if it isn't what's the effectiveness of him using redfield as a ruse to someone who wouldn't know the significance of that name anyway so he just may as well say anything he's not fooling this ethan character in, into oh this guy's batting for the good guys because i know chris redfield's a protagonist ethan hasn't got a clue who chris redfield is bad or good i think it's one of those plot things that only means something to the audience i got the impression though ethan knew these people i think it's meant to fool us as the player because we think oh yeah the bsea here it's chris everything's fine it even plays the remake ending music as you're flying away and then the last shot at the end it says umbrella Mm. on the side of the helicopter that's meant to throw you off which obviously does so yeah i don't think it's chris and i don't think it's hunk either because this guy only looks between 25 and 35 i would say which means hunk would have had to be a fucking teenager in raccoon city so i don't think it's hunk it could be the guy from umbrella it could be it could be him but i'm gonna finally learn me lesson after 15 years and say it's just a new character (laughs) it is i hope you guys are ready for this it's ark thompson Uh, yes he's back (laughs) i got the impression that ethan knew these people you you took your time he seems to be familiar with his rescuers no it's a bad reading because i know a couple other people said that i think he just means that like they waited until there was a giant monster breaking out of the house that was stringing him up in the ear before they finally turned up and provided him a weapon so i think i I think he's just kind of being snarky He knows someone's there, doesn't he? Because he sees the helicopter when he comes out of the ship and he's heard the radio broadcast. Yeah. So he, he just yeah, assumes there's some sort of rescue team. See, that's something we've not talked about. Game. The radio broadcast between the Alpha and, is it, Delta teams? Yeah. I'm assuming that's Redfield we hear on the radio, is it? Yeah, I think I th- so. Yeah, I think it is too, yeah. Is it worth thinking as well that after the Li Shang... Have I said that right? The what, sorry? The Resident Evil 6. Langshang. Uh, Langshang. Oh, Langshang. Langshang, that's it, sorry. Would um, Chris have like international recognition now? I don't see why he wouldn't, because the BSA are like 20 years old now, and he's one of the original 11, so I, I think so, his, his name would be recognisable. So that's why it's probably being used. He'd be, he'd yeah. be the sort of... Yeah. Because yeah. obviously Ethan and Mia are still infected at the end. Mm. So I'm assuming they're just going to get taken away to an umbrella lab, whereas Ethan thinks they're getting rescued. And there is a, that interesting thing that a lot of people are pointing out as well. After the credits is rolled, for some reason, the game gives you the vibrating sound of the watch for a I, few seconds. I, yeah. I thought it was an error. I didn't understand what it was doing. It gives but, you yeah. that sound, and then it goes onto the Not A Hero screen. Mm. I'm not sure what it's trying to tell me. Well, doesn't it do that when you're close to Evelyn or something? Yeah. In the, ah. the mere flashback, it does the... the Oh, or okay. when someone's calling on it as well, to be fair. Oh, yes, because they use it properly on the ship, don't they? It's yeah, like, it yeah, 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 it's yeah. like a codec, isn't it, effectively? Yeah. I'd rather Capcom just stays quiet about it and just leaves it until either this DLC comes out of it, answers it, or if it doesn't, then just keep quiet about it. I don't want them to kind of start coming out blatantly saying it is or isn't or trying to ruin it or not ruin it because mm. uh, you've seen those backlash. You, I mean, obviously, you remember it happened with the Star Trek Into Darkness and Spectre, yeah, yeah. <laughs> where you, know, you have these characters, they end up being... Khan and Blofeld, which means absolutely nothing to the characters in the universe. It only means something to the audience, and then it's just pointless. It becomes silly. Yeah. I'm hopeful that they've got a proper reason for why they've done this. Like they've definitely got a plan for why they've called this guy Redfield. Mm. Mm. Right. I suppose that covers our experience of going from the beginning to the end of the game. This is a very very long podcast, and I hope you've all enjoyed um, how we've kind of got through it. 
generally speaking, I suppose, how does everyone feel it's kind of connected to the series? Does it feel like it should be a numbered title? Or do you feel, based on the lack of interconnectivity, should we say, that it's going to need a bit of retconning later on, like Resident Evil 5 and 6 did to 4 and things like that? For me, where the series is, with all the ins and outs and the intricacies and the contradictions of the story and the weaknesses, particularly in in the narratives of Resident Evil 6, and almost the waste of the incredible narrative and files that was in Resident Evil 5 that just wasn't a Resident Evil game. For me, the most important thing that connects back with Resident Evil is none of the story, not interested in that, is the game mechanics, which made me come back to it time and time again. Not the story, in the same way that the story of Donkey Kong didn't make me play it for hours and <laughs> Uh, that's a serious point so I'm not just like making that tritely but the fact that you know item boxes save points the way that comes into play with Madhouse detention everything that we've discussed about the game that makes it for us generally that follow survival horror feel like a survival horror game and those links that make it feel like it belongs in the same series as remake irrespective of what the story it's telling and it just so happens the story that it told I think was one, one of the better ones in Resident mm. Evil that's interesting because there is so much similarity and homage it's just nice to have things like files back files of interest where you yeah. can just sit and read and do things like that and I think aesthetically it feels very much like a numbered title and a proper title I just wonder whether the story's going to need we know it's getting added too but I, I think it feels more connected to the series than 4 did yeah I'd agree yeah. entirely with that I think time's been a healer to 4 in that yeah. we've had the addition of things like separate ways in 5 have enhanced that story dramatically but you know sort of rewind back January 2005 and I remember finishing that thinking I'm not really sure how I felt about this game. From a gameplay point of view, it was okay, but from a story point of view, it was a fucking disaster. Comparatively, is, 7 has which, way more throwbacks and yes. connections. Yeah. I, I just yeah. wonder if the story's big enough. I personally think it is. It's exactly what I've been calling for for a long time, so I, I just wonder what everyone else's views were. My bugbear, personally, is that it's great to have more questions, but at the same time, I don't feel like any more answers have been really given. We're, by bringing in these old things, it's great, but they're just hints still. They're not more connections. Like, HCF's a reference, but it doesn't explain anything more about the organisation. It doesn't explain any more about how we got here. You know, there's a 17-year gap between the start of that programme and the current events, a 14-year gap between the start of that programme and the shipwreck. You know, like, there's a lot of unexplained material that could have easily been explained. You know, hopefully, I'm hoping this free DLC may flesh a little bit of these details out. More stuff that Lucas has been hoarding away or communications he's had might be a good step towards that. But it's definitely something I want more of. Not because I just want answers, but just more hints, like more information filling in gaps. I'm not expecting to spill everything, but it would just be nice touches to add yeah. to that world. I wasn't best pleased with the blacking out of files. You know, we found this in uh, at this time. Uh, very much what they did with Resident Evil Zero when trying to date yeah. Marcus's assassination. There's... They got so lucky that that worked. I was just going to say, there's a data mine file which I think people are assuming is going to be in Not a Hero, which has like the list of the D series mm. candidates but it has a load yeah. of redacted secret yeah. sections in it, and it's really irritating that they would do that. The whole basis behind Eveline is this fungus they've found, and it's censored out, isn't it, on the files, where they yeah. found it yeah. and how they got it. And where they found it. Mm. Oh, yeah. Star Wars does it as well. They don't date a lot of things, just so that if someone comes back to it, they're not bound by a particular timing. So if they want to do a game when this fungus is discovered for the first time, they could do it at any point. 
And it, you know, they won't need to worry about well, this happens before Dead Aim or you know, or whatnot. They have a bit more creative freedom. I think that's kind of why they were okay with putting the 2000 date in there because it's definitely not going to be any earlier than Raccoon City. So it's definitely yes. not going to be any earlier than 1998. So in 99, yeah, okay, just put it from 2000 around Code onwards, it would make sense to be in that time frame. I can, I can totally believe that. But it's a shame. I still think it would have been nice to have gotten just more nuggets near the end that just would have sustained a bit more information because you're left with information about the program when it started, but we have no more clues about the organisations. We have no more clue about what Umbrella Corps is. It's all guesswork. We all have to just make guesses off of what we can only assume. And a lot of that will probably end up being right or wrong. We won't know until there's more proof. But the more little nuggets you get, the more you can start to try and form a guesswork. And then it gives you more stuff to discuss while you're waiting for the next bit of DLC or the next game. Mm. Some of the DLC that's come up, obviously we've touched on Daughters quite a lot. I don't know anything else about Nightmare and Bedroom. Nightmare is just a horde mode, really. It's got to mm. survive five rounds of uh, molded in the basement. And Jack. And Jack, yeah. Cannon. It's supposed to be canon, but it's it's not really, because it just doesn't fit with the events of the game. The, the idea could work in the sense that, as I was saying before, that Clancy ends up being um, set in a bunch of trials. It just doesn't work with the time frames given on the tapes in the game. Mm. Is there any decent ending cutscene to it or anything? Not really, no. But... Uh, Jack can pretty brutally kill you and cut your head off. Yeah, pretty oh. quickly. Must be an interesting experience in VR if you played that. <laughs> oh, I'll, I'll give it. I've not tried Nightmare yet. No. I could imagine because like I was sitting there, and if he gets you against a wall with the chainsaw shears, pin you, and then chops your head off, and the perspective goes from your head flying on the ground, looking up at him as you die. So. <laughs> I don't know well, if that's but... in the main game. I don't know. If, I never died during the the fight with him and the boss fight. It might happen in there as well, possibly if you did it wrong. But bedroom DLC is basically another version of the happy birthday puzzle. It's a very similar thing. Your players clumsy and you're sort of sat in bed and Marguerite brings you some food and then she leaves the room and then you've got to figure out a way to escape but if you make too much noise she comes back to the room so you've got to make sure you put everything back in its order because you have to like move pictures around and open drawers and stuff and you have to make sure it's all back exactly how it was before she comes back in. And I, I think... thought it was quite good actually quite enjoyed it. it was... I, I haven't played that yet I wanted to ask you guys whether I was right to think that was a heavier reliance on puzzles or even more going back to, to the, the standards that we enjoyed and whether you found them kind of infuriating with they added to the gameplay yeah it's good it's just one big puzzle and it's it's quite an enjoyable one to do I, I was going to say people get saying oh well I I can't understand why they didn't put it in the main game because you know it's very paced and it would slow down the game and especially replays and stuff but the thing is if you put it on early in the game it probably still would have made sense but it probably yeah would have caused people more upset because at that point they're waiting for the manor to open up to have had to sat through one more puzzle sequence it probably would have been too much so maybe that was the idea the reason the DLC started was that it was supposed to be part of the game and didn't work flow-wise. Yeah. And 21 is basically a card game. Lucas puts you against another character and you have to play a blackjack and stuff. It's quite addictive, really. It's it's quite fun. It's obviously yeah. a homage to Saw and the character you play against is called Hoffman, which is a, another character. Oh, wow. That's a Saw reference. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. It's, it's quite good. But it doesn't add to the story. There's the Ethan Must Die Ethan, challenge. Yeah. And Jack's 55th birthday. <laughs> I haven't played that one yet, but I know it's just going around gathering up food for his birthday and um, feeding it to him. I was going to go back to the uh, nightmare. I find the balance of that very frustrating, that it's built entirely around the idea that you have to play it more in order to make it work. Like, it's not even just learning where traps are, where you can fight better and stuff. It's about just having to level up and get the extra bonus perks that you unlock from collecting so many points repetitively. And I just really, I never liked that gameplay system. It's the reason why, 
like I do like something like where you can earn and unlock like mercenaries where you can earn and unlock by getting amount of points but it still doesn't stop you from playing it at the base level you can learn to play it better without the unlocks the unlocks are just a bonus I've really just never been a fan of that style so we're approaching the end uh, favourite moment from each podcaster um, for me it was the whole sequence in the second floor of the um, old house with the bouncing balls and where you find the D-series mummified body and you have to remove the arm and you catch that first glimpse of Eveline, that whole creepy sort of five minutes, that was amazing in my eyes. Okay. The fact that it's just been a great return to form for the series, it has an intriguing new storyline and I'm pleased we've kind of left the bioterrorism behind. The VR is a really special thing. Like I said, not without its problems, the disembodied limbs and stuff quite immersion-breaking which is a shame, but at its best it is a game changer and being able to explore the Resident Evil universe in VR. I mean, if they ever did like a Spencer Mansion tour in VR (laughs) as DLC, I will buy it for whatever cost. (laughs) You know, that's the kind of level I'm at with that. It's just (laughs) nice the fact that, you know, we've been able to talk about a numbered title positively again. That's what I'm going to take the whole experience like that away. Uh, George? The first numbered title that came out sort of live in terms of I was already invested in the series and ready to buy a new, you know, rather than buying a game that was already two years old, like with Resident Evil 1, 2 and 3, was Resident Evil 4. So yeah, this is the first main title that's come out live that's really been everything well almost everything i've wanted a resident evil game to be it's not perfect but it's good enough to be what stars just called it a game changer Uh, it's not perfect but it is a game changer because they did so much right and almost everything that they did right was just by going back into the series what made the series so strong and made us connect with the series that has gradually been taken out and taken out and replaced with these alternative progressing the series forward that never worked and actually detracted from the tension and detracted from the atmosphere. And we've just got it all back. And my favourite part of the game is exactly what Batman said, just that whole section with Evelyn and discovering the, you know, the room where Oliver is. And uh, yeah, thanks, Capcom. Every time I play this game, I lose at least a day of my life. It's wonderful. <laughs> uh, Robbie? I've already mentioned it, but I just love the genius move of setting the demo in the same location that you start the game in that you also end up at the end of the game. I just think there is a scripting brilliance there that has been very well thought out and ties the whole game together as a whole, demo included. It's great. For me, I just loved exploring the farm, you know, the, the main house. I could have spent hours, and I did spend hours, just having a look around. I like the little puzzles. It's like, you know, just a clue. Same time as all the clocks. What is it, you know, just trying to, you know, do a bit of backtracking, find a clock, ah, quarter past ten or whatever, you know, whatever it, whatever it was. And that was just great. Taking note of fuses and different, you know, and remembering that that's where it has to be. Not having a whacking great mark on the map going, this is where you need to put the fuse. You know, you just have to... <laughs> yes, you're yeah. absolutely right. <laughs> you're absolutely right. You know, you had to remember it yourself. I mean, I'll let them off with having the door symbols of the, you know, the, uh, you know, the snake door or whatever it was. You know, I'll let them off with that. But apart from that, it rewarded you for thorough, thorough exploration. And um, I just thought the whole layout of the house was believable, plausible, and just wonderful to explore. It's worth saying as well to everyone listening. You know, you've made this happen. You know, by buying things like the remake. You know, you're seeing now the positive effect 
of supporting a title like that so mm. well because it, you know the Origins collection did do well comparatively I know Capcom put out a statement saying they were very pleased with how well received Remake HD was and because of like the feedback because of the reaction to titles like 6 7 has come about as a result of that and it's always worth remembering that no matter how bleak it seems you do have a voice it's just a shame now I do as, as come along <laughs> <laughs> Wonderful timing. My mic's been muted. Welcome, moment. That's just been pissed on. Welcome, Mr. Spencer. I'm so sorry. My mic's been muted all this time, and you never heard any of it. All this time, I was just going, yeah, yeah, I agree. I think it's a really good part of the series. I think it would be. I've not even heard it. The one time in four years, I have something productive to say about the series, and it never gets heard. Oh. Uh. Here you go, then. The mic is yours. Well, I think it was good timing when you said people making their voices heard and then I, you gotta admit that was pretty good um yeah what was the question again well there's no question just favorite moment of well, the game I, well i'm still going through about six hours in i've been exploring the place and i'm about to go to, um, do that fight with jack with the chainsaw battle okay but I'm trying to find herbs and chem fluid and shit that i can put together and then i can go into it i'm probably not playing the game right because I'm going in like I'm Sam Fisher and just, you know, crouch walking around. Oh, look, there's a monster face person. Double tap, he's dead. You know, like I'm playing Call of Duty. You know, that's how you get over survival horror games. Survival horror, you're playing a badass, in my opinion. To me, it's not some guy looking for his wife. It's just some SWAT arsehole doing a room clear whenever I enter a door. You know, it's like playing SWAT 4, just like slowly open the door. If I had a fucking magic wand thing under the door, that'd be great. Like the mirror. John, have you been drinking? No, no, I've just had a real busy day now. But my favourite part, I think, so far, is probably a bit in the garage. When I got in the car and I I, I was trying to run over Jack and then he disappeared. I was like, where the fuck is he? And then I hear this shit on the roof, like he's on the fucking roof and he tears the roof off and drives the... That was pretty fun. I like that. To be fair, that was a good bit in surround sound. It really was. And And I also enjoyed... Oh yeah, my best discovery was a painting in the main hall of the Arklin Mountains from 1991. I thought, oh, that's kind of cool. I remember that date. Might come up in a quiz. <laughs> Marks out of ten from everyone. Eight and a half. Okay. I want to be consistent what I gave it with another podcast. I forgot. I think I gave it 8 out of 10. And, ha- oh, yes, last time I graded this game, I hadn't played Madhouse. Having played Madhouse, I'm giving this 9 out of 10. Okay. I can hear the thunder coming from Wales. <laughs> Uh, Rob, I'm going to give it an 8 as well. It's got its flaws, but it's definitely a much more enjoyable experience than even I think I was hoping for. Stars? A solid 8, but um, we may well revise this upon like the DLCs and seeing what they mm. add to the story. Mr. Um, Spencer, from what you've played? Well, from a six-hour long playthrough so far, yeah, I'm really enjoying it. I kind of view it in the same way that I view uh, Resident Evil 4. In a, it's a good game, but is it Resident <coughs> Evil? But, yeah, I give it about, uh, so far, I give it a very strong eight, possibly a nine, depending on how the rest of the game goes. But so far, I'm very impressed. Good game. I would give it a nine out of ten, as it fulfills all my requirements and expectation in terms of where I thought and hoped that the series was going to go. So, I hope everyone's found that podcast interesting. We now move on to this podcast edition of Neptunes by Hazard Quiz. Season. New questions. 
Welcome to the quiz. It's a Resident Evil 7 themed quiz. You've been playing it. How much have you taken notice? We have four questions from Vito and one from yours truly. So if everyone can clear their desktops, you can open up Notepad. I need a pen. There it is. So question number one. What symbol appears on the base of Marguerite's Lantern? That's my question. This is what we get for him taking an hour to figure out that he needed to get the lantern. (laughs) I've not got to that bit yet. I've seen him pottering about outside. So you can have a guess. What's a symbol? A common symbol. Question number two. What animal appears on the antique coin? Oh, I picked up enough of them fuckers. I might get that magnum. I've been told there's a magnum in that little trailer outside. There is, there is. There is. Getting that fucker. Question number three. Name three people listed near Mia's cell as turned. I read that fucking list the other night. Yes, we discussed it earlier, actually. And how we all praised that there were things like this. Andre died. Peter died. Question number four. What is the name of the contractor Jack used to install the shadow-activated doorways? Ooh. Oh, what's the other one? There's a don't know no so uh, finally question number five what was the name of the doctor that marguerite consulted after infection oh god (laughs) that concludes our resident evil 7 themed quiz join us after this when we'll run through the answers So, let's see how well everyone has done. So, question number one was, what symbol appears on the base of Marguerite's lantern? Did you know this one, Batman? Is it a star? I don't know. Is that your answer? That is my answer. Okay, George Trevor? I don't think I even looked. I don't know if you need to know to complete the puzzle. I don't think I noticed it. I didn't notice anything on the lantern I can remember. You don't need to look at it for the puzzle. It's just something I looked at. Damn, no, I missed that. Any guesses? What could it be? Um, A fly. Okay. Um, Darstaran? No idea. Romby? Um, oh yeah, I was going to guess an insect. That just made sense to me, but I have no idea. Mr. Spencer? I went with insect as well. It's a good guess. It's not right. It's a star. Well done, Batman. <laughs> Question number two. What animal appears on the antique coin? Mr. Spencer, you've got six of these. Have you checked any? I think it's a unicorn. Okay. That's an uh, animal, isn't it? 
That is an animal, yes. Uh, Star yeah. Tyrant? I think it's an eagle, but I'm not sure. Rombie? It's a pelican. Oh, okay. oh, that's what they're called. Thank you, Rombie. Fuck the enough. achievement's called pelican something. Yeah. Batman? Oh, I didn't know. I was going to guess stag. George Trevor? It's definitely a pelican, because I was thinking, what's that bird with the like big gulp in its throat? That thing, yeah, it's a, with the long beak, it's a pelican. Mm. Mm. Oh, sandpipers have got long beaks. Well, I want to be careful. Whenever I answer these questions too specifically, like with the Ada Wong tattoo, I get accused of cheating. Well, you did the whole NASA thing. There was some bloke from NASA who had a... <laughs> I don't know why we're looking at that. We can't, we're not forgetting that. Okay, point there to Rombie, and I'll, yeah, I'll, I'll let George have that one. Why? Because I got it right. Well, there's a bit of a hint of... Oh, yes, Rob, that's the right answer. Thank you. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I knew it was that thing, but I couldn't think of that. But I was going to say stalk. Okay, question number three. Can you name three people listed near Mia's cell that have turned? Mr. Spencer, you up first. I remember the list. It was in that little shitty area with pictures of people on them. Yep. Um, all I can think of it was three arseholes from Sewer Gators, and I know that they all died. Well, I don't know what happened to Clancy, but uh, I got nothing. I'm sorry. Just Trevor? Um... No, I, I can't name any of them really. It was, just, it was just a list of names. I mean, I remember at the time I read through them all to see if you know I recognised any of them that would appeared in the game later or from past games. But it was just a list of generic it's, names. It's a tough question. I I'll give you that. Uh, Batman, did you know any? I know one of them's Travis because he's the one who comes alive in the morgue. But I can't think of any others. Richie and Eddie. Can I take a guess? Because I remember the names on the uh, in the morgue. Yeah, Tamara. She was right. the far end one. She's got two A's and no, is that how many A's is in that? Three A's, right? Yeah, yeah. You got Tamara, you got Sean, you got William. Travis was the one with the at the end. I got Sean, Tamara, and William. Stars turn. No idea. Rombie. Uh, I remember Tamara. Now I'm trying to remember the actual list. I know there was a Sean on there because I thought it was funny because it was like Sean of the Dead, but I think he was actually listed as dead. Um, I have no idea for another. I'm sorry. I just know, yeah, Tamara and Sean, but he was dead. He was dead, yes. Yeah, so we're looking for the ones that turned. Um, yes. The oh, and Travis, are... obviously, yeah, which was mentioned because I knew that as well. I'm going to give Robbie the points because so, so Robbie got two with Tamara and Travis. So Hang on a Rob... minute. I got one, didn't I? Yes, you got Tamara. Did um, William die then? Yes, yeah, so the answers were Heidi, Lindsay, Stephen, Reed, Susan, Harold, Tamara and Travis. So I'm going to give Romby the point for getting two out of three. So well done. Romby, question number four. What is the name of the contractor Jack used to install those shadow-activated doorways? We discussed this earlier in the podcast, so who was paying attention? Romby, were you? Uh, I completely forgot. It starts with C. <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't paying any attention. Ah. Stars Tyrant? Is it Trevor and Chamberlain? Okay. George? Yeah, if anyone says Chamberlain and Trevor, they're wrong, because Trevor comes first. It's Trevor and Chamberlain. <laughs> and Chamberlain, Chamberlain's just like, he, he makes the coffee, That's and he drives the van. Wait, that's all I let so him do. Trevor and Chamberlain, Trevor comes first. That's a really bad relationship, if he's always coming first. <sighs> Mr. Spencer. Oh. Right, I put Trevor and, and then I thought there's a second one. I didn't know it, and someone said, when someone said Chamberlain, that made sense, but I'm going to stick with what I put at the time, which was Trevor and, and I didn't know the rest of it. Well, that's honourable of you, Mr. Spencer. Batman, did you know this one? Yeah, Trevor and Chamberlain. Points there. I'm going to give Mr. Spencer half. Yeah, I think that's nice. Some reason I can't believe I didn't think about the Trevor thing that we were talking about. Like, I knew yeah, that, yeah. that it was the, it was the, the, the even that told I just us the remember. question in the quiz. That's what I yeah, yeah. 
Question number five. What was the name of the doctor that Marguerite consulted after infection? I know this. Can I go first so I don't get accused of cheating? Yes, you can. Because I wouldn't normally get this level of detail. This is normally one for Batman, but... This could win you the quiz. Well, I know this only because this is one of the three files I gave to Sarah Coates, Marguerite Baker's voice actress, to read out in character. It's a Crawford Lang. Batman? Um, Dr. Jones. Stars Tarrant? Dr. Faustus. Rumby. Well, I know he's right because I knew Crawford. I didn't know the last name because I remember making a joke with my friend who was watching me at the time about Crawfish. <laughs> right, okay. Uh, Mr. Spencer, did you know this one? Yeah, it was Dr. Crawfish. <laughs> <laughs> Obviously. Obviously. Let's have a look at the finals. And I don't believe what I am reading. It's finally paid off, hasn't it? All those years, <laughs> those years of stalking the voice actors has paid off. It has paid off the winner. It's given you the edge. Of the Resident Evil 7 podcast. It's George Trevor with three out of five. I'm going to claim one of those points because I gave him that pelican answer. <laughs> well, I've got a point note for sort of the big bird with the gulp in its mouth that was on To the be board. honest, I might have given that to you anyway. In second place is Rombie with two and a half. Woo! In third place, a lowly third, is Batman with two. Fourth place, Stars Tyrant with one. Mr. Spencer with half. But Mr. Spencer's only played six hours. Yeah, I'm still making my way through it. Even though I'm only getting up to the bit where they had the chainsaw fight with Jack, I've died about four times to that because I need more lemon juice, whatever it is, that put me on. <laughs> but point is, yeah, I've just been exploring so much in the game. It's a really fun place to explore. Yeah. That concludes the quiz. Thank you very much for listening and playing along. Join us next time. We'll have some more questions. That does conclude our Resident Evil 7 podcast. I've hoped you've enjoyed it. It's been uh, a mammoth in its length, and I hope everyone uh, has uh, enjoyed our comments and effectively a playthrough, really, if we're being honest. Uh, our next podcast is probably not due for a while. We're definitely going to have another podcast on Not A Hero DLC, because we think there should be quite a lot to talk about after that. Um, and then I think at some point we'll be doing our Raccoon City podcast as well. Probably one on Vendetta yeah. as well. Speaking, and of, um, and speaking of DLC, real quick before we uh, conclude, is it worth getting the banned footage stuff? The any daughters, good? yeah. Yeah, if you're enjoying the game anyway, I would say yes, but the daughters thing is... I kind of want to get the uh, 55th birthday one because the monster people walk around with party hats on, and I, I like that. <laughs> <laughs> so with that, oh, I bid you farewell. It is goodbye from me, Neptune. Goodbye from me, Stars Goodbye from me, Batman. Goodbye from me, a very happy George Trevor. Goodbye from me, Robbie. You guys sound shattered. And it's goodbye from me, Mr. Spencer. And we're down.